Welcome to Game Face, episode 222 on Sifted Games at Sifted.net. I'm Shane Satterfield, your humble host for our podcast. We're going to whip you around the world of video games for the next two hours plus. Hope you guys are having a great week so far and a great week to come. I got some friends along with me to talk about games. Matt Kyle's here. What's up, Matt? Um, Not a lot. More, uh, more Ghost of Tsushima. I think we have sorted out our audio issues. So we actually started this show three times before we got it to work. Our apologies to those of you guys on the stream. We appreciate you guys being patient with it. Um, we're still not 100% sure what the problem was, but everything yeah. seems okay now. <laughs> I was saying well, we're offline and it mirrors my struggles with my printer the other day uh, that magically fixed itself this morning. Um, yeah. I don't... Can I ask why in this world of of devices and computers that can tell you every little thing about what's going wrong with them and then usually fix them themselves, why the printer experience is the same as it was in 1985. I have like, the same problems, Matt. My printer, if I restart my computer, it'll never talk to the computer. I have to unplug it, plug it back in until it finally yeah. talks to it. I don't like, Why is the Eddie Azard bit about computers from 1996 still as relevant that now as it was then? Like, it's yeah. just, I don't know why that doesn't progress. Somehow. I don't get it either. Uh, also along with us, we have Mitch Sikorsky, who's handling tri-casting today. What's up, Mitch? Under pressure here for the first uh, 20 minutes of the Not Show. I mean, what what's new? Let's be honest. Uh, so it's 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 fine, you know. I it's all I, good now. Yeah, I mean, this is my respite from the rest of the crap in the world. Thank God. So because <laughs> it's just gone from bad to worse. Like I could talk for hours about how shitty i feel about my country right now and our government but i won't yeah because i'd rather talk about video games so yep it's way more fun that's for darn sure so anyway hope you guys are having a good week it was a pretty slow week in games to be honest with you uh yeah. putting together the big six for sifted hq episode 22 which is live right now on the site was a struggle like one of the stories i had to include was that uh Rocket League is going free to play. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's where we're at this week. There but, was Carrion, but I didn't realize that was Game Pass until too late. Yeah. Um, so anyway, we do have a good show for you guys. We have a bunch of good topics. Uh, we're going to return to Paper Mario the Origami King, and we're going to talk about Ghost of Tsushima again because we hadn't finished either of those games last week. We're obviously not going to talk about them as long as we did last week. I just, I'm going to get an update from everyone, kind of updated impressions now that they've gone farther in both of those games. Uh, but before we get to that, we're going to talk about our poll of the week for last week. Um, our poll of the week last week was, what's the most important feature in a console? And I talked last week about how the sign of a good poll is when the options are evenly distributed among votes, or the votes are evenly distributed among the options. And this week, I did a really, really bad job. In fact, the worst job ever with our poll of the week because there was one option that won in a landslide. So there were five options that you could choose for the poll. Uh, the first option was hardware power and functionality. The second one was exclusive games. The third was backwards compatibility. The fourth was extra services, meaning like Game Pass, Xbox Live, PSN, PS Now, stuff like that. And then uh, the last one was secondary hardware. So things like VR, uh, motion controls, stuff like that. Um, and as I said, this poll was a landslide and 72% of respondents responded with exclusive games are most important. And uh, I, I felt 
vindicated in this poll in some ways because we've been preaching to this to you guys for literally like 20 years. The games are really what matter. Y'all, y'all are getting it. So um, that was also my choice in the poll, Matt. I'm guessing it was yours as well. Yeah. Um, it so was not mine a big as well, surprise. And I would say, Shane, it's not a bad poll. It's just that's what people care about. <laughs> yeah. But I, I don't know. I, maybe I shouldn't have run the poll. Is my point? If it if it was so overwhelmingly yeah. in one direction, like. Even if you know scientifically the outcome of something, you still have to run the experiment. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. But this isn't science, Matt. This is game face. It's data. <laughs> it is data. You're right. Uh, the second most common response, not a surprise either, is hardware power and functionality. Um, and I guess that that would come in second. That finished with 21% of the vote. And then the last three options were just fighting for scraps. Uh, backwards compatibility got 4% of the vote. Um, and then both uh, extra services and secondary hardware functionality both got 1.5% to round us out to 100%. So not a big surprise in this poll. I do want to read a couple comments that you guys posted in the poll, some of the better ones and the ones that kind of represent all the options. Uh, the first one comes from McWomble. Uh, I was toing and froing, I love that, from hardware to exclusive software because the hardware needs to be good enough to run the software in a good enough state to deliver what the game design designers have produced. I ultimately chose exclusive software. That's a good point, though. It's hard to have one yeah. without unless, the other in a lot of unless games. Unless you're the Switch. Well, I'll get to that. <laughs> we have another comment from somebody else. Uh, next up is NZZ. He says, for me or she... Uh, for me, during this upcoming console generation, it is going to have to be backwards compatibility. Legacy consoles are not going to function forever. Digital as well as physical libraries should certainly carry over. I don't have the space to keep all my old consoles hooked up, and I am not just going to abandon games I have accumulated. I think that's a fair perspective. Yeah. Um, and if that's your perspective, then I could see where backwards compatibility mm -hmm. would... You, I could see where you'd be a part of that 4%. Let me put it that way. Uh, and then the final comment from the poll comes from Comic Book Cast 2. Uh, and he says, exclusive software is the main driving force for me and should be for everyone. I don't get why people would choose power over exclusives. Like, the Switch isn't powerful at all compared to PS4 and Xbox One. But damn, the Switch is a killer console because it has some mind-blowing exclusives. So that kind of addresses what you had said earlier, Matt. True. And, I just, and the, first, the first quote as well. I just find myself playing those exclusives and wishing I was playing them on a more powerful hardware. Uh, I, yeah, a lot of the time, I that. I totally but I do that. think the you know it's not like I didn't buy the Switch because the hardware wasn't powerful. I bought it because I wanted to play the games. It's yeah. just I am I am in a very uh, negative headspace on that issue right now because I have just been trying to play Deadly Premonition two, and <laughs> uh, the a patch did go up that that improved performance a little bit. Oh, really? Because the they had said week. they may not do that. <laughs> no, they are now. They are, and so it, okay. it improved performance a little bit. It fixed a couple of things, and it. Uh, Slightly altered the transphobic scene. Um, it didn't really fix it, but it, I guess it just proved they're working on it, working on it fast. But he said, Swery said that they are still working on improving performance, and this is not the last time we will see improved performance. And it's not okay, but it's way, it's, it feels more like a beta now than an alpha. So it is progress. Um, but definitely playing Deadly Premonition 2, I had this issue on my mind. Um, but hey, they got my money, so <laughs> they sure it. did. <laughs> uh, so anyway, that's the poll of the week for last week. Thanks to everybody who voted in the poll and left comments. Again, I, I'm going to try to do my best, one, to pull comments from the polls that represent kind of the polling. But two, I want to make sure I get as many people into the show as possible. So uh, keep posting in there. You may not have made it the first couple weeks, but I'm looking for people that we have not featured yet 
to feature going forward because I want to give everyone a fair chance to have their say. Uh, the new poll of the week is live. And as usual, it's in the header on Sifted right now. And you probably aren't going to be surprised by the topic of it. And the poll is related to the Xbox Games Showcase that just happened on Thursday. Uh, and there are a bunch of options there to let you explain how you're reacting to the Xbox Game Showcase. And you're going to hear how we react to the Xbox Game Showcase later on in the show because it is the marquee topic for episode 222. So we're ready to get on with the show proper. But first, here's a word from our sponsor. Ready to get away from it all without losing all the comforts of home? DeShazer Ryan Realty has a once-in-a-lifetime 200-acre estate for sale in Libby, Montana that gives new meaning to the phrase roughing it. This eye-popping main lake house on this sprawling estate has four bedrooms and bathrooms, phone, and internet. There are also separate guest and caretaker houses. It's the first time this property has ever been for sale, so don't let the chance to buy a slice of outdoor heaven pass by. It can be yours for $3.4 million. If you're interested, no matter where you live, contact Doug DeShazer at 406-291-1643 or DeShazerMT at gmail.com. He can also connect you with local realtors who can help you with your specific needs. If you want to see more, head on over to www.snowshoeranchmt.com. That's snowshoeranchmt.com. Big shout out to him. Like... It's it's nice to have a sponsor for the show. So oh, thanks yeah. so much. Yeah, man. It's a huge deal for us having sponsors. Um, a game changer in a lot of ways. So thanks to DeShazer Ryan Realty uh, for supporting the show. And thanks for to him. He's a really good dude. Um, if you're the type of person who tries to only work with good people when you can to reward good people, give him a call. And with that, it's time to get on with the show. I'm guessing everybody has probably guessed that this topic was going to be in Game Phase 222 because it's near and dear to at least two of our hearts. And that is that G4, the gaming TV network that Matt and I both worked at for quite a while, is being revived in 2021. Matt. What's up with this, man? You got inside information on what's been going on over there. Now, the news is that it's actually not going to be a TV network. It's going to be an app or a digital-only property. Do you have any intel on what's been going on over there, Matt? Um, Not that I can really tell you. Okay. Um, But, uh, yes, it's not going to be a TV station. Like, that is obvious. Like, no no one's crazy enough to start a TV station in this day and age, especially for a niche uh, subject matter kind of thing like this. Um, so it will be, I'm sure it will be, it'll be a streaming thing or, or a content channel or you know, who knows, like, it doesn't sound like they've made up their mind on that, or at least they're not ready to talk about it. Um, but it is being done. Like some, some guys like dug into like the, the ownership of it and like kind of who's the company, the sub is running or whatever. And it is being done by, um, um, the house of games. That was us. That was us when we were there. Yeah. So uh, for those of you who don't know, when we worked at G4, we technically didn't even work for G4. The people who were in, now the execs did. Yeah. The people who worked in production, we worked for this LLC, the production company, yeah. the House of Games, Thog as we called it. Yeah. And basically it was so G4 didn't have to give production people benefits. Yes. Um really slimy to very be very common it uh, is especially common, back sadly. then. Yeah. Um and because then that G4's eventually parent did company was Comcast. 
Um, so mm -hmm. after I left, you guys did get moved over to staff yeah. with Comcast, and you got all their benefits and everything. Pretty much, yeah. We were we were Comcast, and then and then after the merger, we were NBC Universal, and everything okay. was pretty much the same. Thog Thog went away as soon as we moved to the uh, the E building on Wilshire. Okay. Um, and uh, this is being done by uh, well, the company that that is attached to is uh, is is Tucker Roberts's company. He's the son of the CEO of Comcast. Uh, and he, he usually does a lot of sports stuff. He kind of, it's kind of this, like, seems to be like a company that he sort of like gets to play with whatever he wants to play with. Um, and usually it's sports stuff and things, but I guess he grew up uh, watching G4. He's, he's like 29, I think. Uh -huh. He grew up watching G4. He is, I believe, currently dating Olivia Munn. Oh, um, well, there and, you go. Uh, or so the gossip <laughs> rags say. Um, so, uh, there I don't know. You go. I will say this. Um, uh, they got they got some, I think they're talking to some of the right people, uh, certainly judging by that, that what teaser. What types of people without obviously being too specific production people production executives people. creatives i don't think you'll i don't think you're going to bring back the executive team of g4 no one no one needs that well that's because um, because ven did it i so yeah there's, well there's there are some of those people from the from the the star trek 2.0 era that are dealing oh. with working on ven that's yeah true. so so ven is another gaming culture-ish TV network that's coming. I think it actually launches in like three yeah, days. Yeah, it's soon. It's coming. It is a TV network. And the one thing I would say about Venn is that they hired the people from G4 that were like the last people they should have hired from G4. They hired the people who were there when it started and floundered mm -hmm. before Tech TV came in and started turning the ship around. So I... Don't know why they decided to hire those people. There aren't really a lot of success stories from those folks, but well, I wish them luck. I hope that they do well because obviously a TV network for gaming is good for everybody. I'm yeah, just I just don't see curious. a lot of gaming in their show lineup. Yeah, their trailer was not encouraging. No. I mean, it really just looks like a YouTuber TV network. To yeah, me. it's a it's a very tangentially game related thing from what I can see. I mean, it's like it's like saying that like. Home and Garden Network is about grass. Like, yeah. there's probably going to be grass mentioned, but it's about other things. You know? Yeah, I, it doesn't appear that there's going to be any sort of an editorial voice at Ven, which, for me personally, as far as watching it, that's a deal breaker. Right, and that's not super unexpected. I think if you're going to do, you're doing something more broad appeal, you don't want to have to ha be criticizing the stuff that you then depend on for your content and pissing off the company because. Because it sounds if you're doing something, especially that big and, and in the TV space, I think you're going to be a lot leaning very hard on branded content. Oh, and that, my and that, guess is more than half of the content on Ven is paid content. Yeah, and that means you cannot ruffle any feathers by criticizing the games that you then. Well, you can. Well, we you did. can, but you're going to lose some sponsorship <laughs> unless you're as like a juggernaut the way Game Trailers was. Um, game Trailers being the only game in town in that regard helped a lot in terms of having an editorial voice. And uh, something like Venn is going to have to kind of scrape and, you know, that could happen eventually. If that they get big network enough. is never going to do anything unless there's an editorial voice. That's why people watch. They, that's the opinion content is really all that matters anymore. News doesn't matter anymore. Fluff doesn't matter anymore. That's what earns is mm -hmm. people's opinions, people's takes. It's overwrought at this point across all media. Um, it's almost impossible to just get straight news anymore without an opinion piece being mm -hmm. kind of pushed in there. But you can find a balance, and I think that's what Ven is going to need to do if it wants to be successful. If it wants to people keep, people to keep showing up 
every day to watch, it's going to have to have an editorial voice. Just my opinion. I have more faith in G4 and what Me they're too. trying to do. Um, yep. There is an AMA tomorrow with uh, Blair Herder. So uh, wait, Blair. Oh, okay. So this is all adding up now. So Blair Herder just went to Comcast. No. He Blair's involved. He's that on Facebook. He's involved. He like, posted on Facebook like three weeks ago that he just got a new job at Comcast. Mm, yeah. But I'm, I thought you meant he went to Comcast and said, let's do G4 again. <laughs> no, I think now. he was part of the reason. That's maybe part of the reason why he was hired at Comcast is to bring him in on that project. Yeah, that would make sense. Um, but if you look at the teaser um, that they put up, uh, there are a ton of in-jokes to like various running gags we had on the shows and things like that. And so if you just watch that teaser, you can tell whoever's putting that thing together knows the, the content and not just like, oh, ha ha, cops and cheaters. They know intimately what was on the shows mm -hmm. that made G4 what it was. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a there's like a box of interns and stuff like that. I mean, it, it's it's you can tell that like there's some love put into it. So uh, I think uh, moving forward, you know, obviously they're probably, you know, if they're launching 2021, production is not ramped up. They're still in, you know, they're still embryonic, a little yeah. bit figuring it out. Um, and if Blair's in there, like I have no doubt that like they'll be talking to the right people and uh, at the very least to, to consult on what these things should be, what the tone should be, what, what the approach should be. Because um, I don't think people like us are the people to necessarily bring this thing back because we're, oh, old, we're, we're I, I, old and busted. That's why I'm excited to ask Mitch about what he wants. From you got to bring in the new hotness. Yeah. Um, so I think uh, I, I am relatively optimistic about this just because um, like going, you know, if, you, if this is, you know, being run by the company that the CEO's son is, is doing Tucker, Tucker Roberts, like he's young enough and he is plugged in enough if we could use the old slogan, <laughs> um, to, yep. to remember what it was and what the good parts were and what the, you know, and what's the, the parts that you don't need anymore. And then, you know, there's, there's elements of G4 that should not be carried forward from the early, a lot. early aughts, you know, like <laughs> a lot of it. Yeah. Like you, you probably don't want quite so much like uh, man show influence yeah. put it that way. Mm -hmm. uh, you probably don't want to resurrect hurl if you don't have to. <laughs> um, Although like there's that. like a new show like that now called like gross or something. That's yeah, on like just, major na network TV. Yeah. But you notice they don't, they don't cover the gross part. Right. That yeah. was the thing about hurl. that always, <laughs> what confused the hell of me was they censored the hurling, the, the hurling. And it's just like, well, that's what, that's what we're here for, man. Like yeah. YouTube wouldn't do that. And that's why YouTube won, won in the end. Yeah. But, well, um, one of a million reasons, but. But it's, uh, you know, it's, the venture is unexpected, but I will say this. I am surprised, um, even as someone who has obviously a lot of affection for uh, G4 having been there for as long as I was, uh, 12 years, um, including the tech TV era. Um, the response to it has been much bigger than I expected it to be. Like it, it revitalized all the Facebook groups about G4. It uh, got people talking about it on Twitter and various other places that like, I really didn't expect that much traffic on it. Yeah. Um, like thousands and thousands, it was a trending topic in the United States uh, the morning they announced it. Like it was, yeah. it was, uh, it, it hit, it was an impact. And uh I assume that was part of what this was, was to test if anyone cared. And uh, I have to say, I have to believe that uh, they would have been able to go back uh, to whoever's providing the money for this and be like, people care, definitely. The money is so, uh, really important because 
both of these are going to lose a lot of money out of the gate. It's just the facts. It's just the way it is, particularly Venn, because being on broadcast has so much overhead. What I remember seeing was that Venn only had like $17 million to work with. That's which, oh, not a lot. I mean, that is chump change in TV. Mm-hmm. So, again, like if you're I just think- talking about funding the productions of the actual shows they're putting on, that's that would be about right. But if you're talking about like uh, the, the infrastructure of launching an actual network and marketing and all that's of nothing. it, it's nothing. Um, and so to me, money's a big deal. Comcast has plenty of it. So yeah. that's another reason why to me, G4 maybe has a better chance. Also, just knowing who's working on Venn who versus who's working on G4, what I've seen of G4 versus Venn so far. G4 seems to be the more interesting pro, uh, prospect to me. Obviously, I'm probably a little biased. I used to work there. Um, but I mean, no, I would I would be happily call this out as nonsense if I thought it was. Like, yeah, you know, of course. I mean, that's not, what we do, Matt. Yeah, this is not the, it's not the <laughs> that's first... That's game face in a sentence. <laughs> this is not the first uh, attempt to, you know, resurrect G4 by any means. Yeah. There was a brief period where it was a news aggregate website uh, attached to sci-fi networks uh, website. It was just like a little thing in a corner, like G4 presented by sci-fi. And it was just like, it was just a few writers like putting up daily content that was branded with, with the G4 logo. It didn't go anywhere. Um, that was like 2014 or something like that. Um, you know, th- but this is the first time it feels like there's actual momentum behind it. I mean, it's legit. You don't put out a trailer unless it's legit. It's happening. Mm-hmm. Now, my question is, and some people are asking this in chat as well, with the era of the YouTuber and the streamer, um, are TV networks relevant now? And two, should these TV networks just be YouTubers and streamers? Well, well, it's not a TV network. Right. Um, so I don't think that's something we need to worry about with this. It's just going to be co- a content source, I guess. Um, I, I don't know what format they're going to choose for that. It's mostly, but it's mostly going to be the same thing. It's like, here's a bunch of shows if you want to watch them. I don't know where you'll watch them. but uh, On their app at g4.com or whatever my guess is. I mean, that would be... A little weirdly self-contained. I feel like if you have, you know, if you're working in the kind of NBC Comcast space, I would want expect you'd want to get on Peacock. Yeah, I mean so, that's probably his most likely landing spot. I mean, I think yeah. you'd be able to get everything on YouTube and a website as well, but I think that content will absolutely be fed into. Peacock. Yeah, I don't think there's any reason to keep this exclusive. You know, yeah. like, like at no, the very you, le- I mean, yeah. for this, you want it out there as yeah, to as many channels out. as you can. Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I assume they'll bring back, uh, you know, Attack of the Show and X-Play as the main... The, it's been interesting watching people, like, talk about what shows they want to come back. Like, there's some deep cuts mentioned. Yeah. Like, there's, like, a <laughs> substantial group of people that want Portal to come back, which is not a thing that I ever thought I'd see. Wow. Um, the guy who made... naming shows. No, these guys were real, like, hardcore Portal fans. <laughs> really? Like, this, like this, which is just a thing that I didn't... I mean, because... Like, I didn't people, know that was a thing. <laughs> well, the, the, like they're like naming shows that were like from the initial launch of like before we got there. Like, yeah. You know, the stuff that was all shut down when they merged with Tech TV. Um, and uh, Portal, Icons should stay. Icons is a good move. Yeah. I mean, Portal was interesting because it was mostly made by one guy. Yeah. And it was like Portal was supposed to be their show that covered MMOs, but he turned it into like an in-universe like 
story-driven show about a guy in like a in like a room that could see into all the MMO universes and they were all treated as like real in they weren't ta- ta- treated as games they were treated as like actual universes he could look into and some of them were like skits and some of it were just like they'd do the raid and they'd show what happened but they'd treat it like a real war story or something or a news report kind of thing as like real events and it was it was like it was I think it was like basically him like a PA and an editor and um, to bring that back, you'd have to go find him. And I, I, as I hear it, he disappeared into Idaho somewhere <laughs> several years ago and wants nothing to do with this crap. But who knows? Like, stranger things have happened. But I just think, think it's interesting that there's a fan of just about everything G4 did, even going way back. Do you think that, one, any of the old hosts will come back? And two, do you think they should? Do you think that that would be beneficial to the network? I think, well, almost every major host has been tweeting about it. This week, um, even if it's just to say, like, what the hell is this? Yeah. <laughs> but, like, I think they should, I think it would be wise to launch at least with a bunch of those hosts in place to kind of um, endorse it. Maybe you know, like launch like, week, their special ho- guest host yeah, or something. Like, like you want, I think you want all the old hosts to come back and kind of say like, "Hey, this is cool. We're into it. Like, we approve of this, and we pass the baton over to who all these new kids are." Mm-hmm. And sort of like maybe they can like make appearances now and then. Like, I wouldn't want to think like Kevin and Olivia and Adam and Morgan would host a daily show anymore. I mean, they everyone's moved on in their careers. Um, and I think you need new blood in there. But I think it's very, you know, in much the same way Star Wars tried to do it, uh, you do want Han, Leia, and Luke in there to sort of, like, be the transitionary phase. Uh, and I think once in a, you know, once you, you kind of establish that this is what it is, this is what, it, this is what it's become, and, and then the old hosts kind of, like, approve of this and sort of, like, give it, to, give it their blessing and sort of take the training wheels off and let the new kids ride off into the sunset. Yeah, um, I mean, maybe I think that's how I think we should just it. say right now is that Adam and Morgan aren't coming back to host X play. It's just not going to happen. Like, it's like you're not going to get any of these these old hosts to come back full time. I don't think. I mean, Adam launched his own company that's doing very well. Morgan's working in other parts of the industry where she's very happy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, they might come back for what you said, like the launch week to do a guest appearance here or there, just to kind of give their blessing, so to speak. But I it's not going to happen permanently. Yeah. And I don't, I wouldn't want it to happen per- permanently as speaking as someone, both someone who would, who would might produce stuff for it and someone who would watch it. Like it's been eight years. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's a different generation. It's a different world. It's a different, you know, gaming is a different place. Now there's a lot of more esports stuff. There's a lot more streaming elements. I think you do want younger blood. You want not that young is better than old or whatever, but it's just like, you want new blood that can like, you know, that doesn't doesn't need, you know, help plugging into what that is going to be. Someone and, in chat just said that Adam left Spike Trap. Hmm? Yes, he is not with Spike Trap anymore. What? He, it's he his was, company. He was tweeting about that uh, uh, like a month or so ago. About he's that was his name on Twitter for a while. No longer associated with Spike Trap. Sessler. What happened? Do you know? Um, well, you're gonna have to ask him about that. Okay, I will. Wow, I didn't even know that. I just found that out in chat. He fits his company. How do you leave your own company? Mm. Well, then maybe he, he is into it. I mean, what I was getting at before I saw somebody post that in chat is that if you can find somebody who's as good as Adam Sessler, sure. Yeah. I think you're going to have a really, really hard time finding someone as good as Adam Sessler yeah. to host a show like X-Play. 
Like, I don't know if it's possible. That I mean, I agree. Show I mean, was made for Adam Sessler. I mean, it's a uh, he's a once in a life, once a generation talent. But it's a he new really generation. is. He really is. Like I've been in this industry for twenty some years now. I've never worked around someone as talented as Adam. And mm. by talent, I mean someone who can just nail it first take and then start doing ad libs that make each take better. Someone who goes in the VO. I didn't really understand. I, I hated the word talent when I first started working in TV because I was like, well, what does that mean about me? I'm not talented. Then I went into the VO booth with Adam for the first time and watched him voice something. And I was like, okay, I get it now. All right. And then as you keep working with him, you just, he's amazing. Mm -hmm. And he carried that show. Like I just, I have, it's, to me, the re whatever the replacement is going to be is probably going to be a lot more dry, a lot more straightforward, probably a lot less sketch comedy stuff. That would be my guess anyway. Uh, I mean, I think that would not be true to the show. Um, I agree. But, but I mean, I, I assume that conversation is happening as we speak about what that needs to be. Yeah. Um, That's but interesting I think because my growing up on X-Play the sketches weren't as big of a component and it's maybe because I got there later. So watching this B roll, that's exactly of why. the sketches <laughs> because you didn't is, start watching it until the later days yeah, and, and it makes sense. But watching this, the sketches of the B roll, I almost thought it was un, almost unrecognizable as G4 of what I know as G4. So yeah. that's a really interesting conversation that they are going to have to have because mm -hmm. 2004 to 2007 G4 is very different from 2007 to 2012 G4. Yeah. Um, that's that. And that's leaving this. Well, once we moved to the new building, production became more difficult um, in, in, in the house the of, in Thog. Mean? Yeah. In Thog, the house of games, because it was a production company, we had the run of the whole building. We had our own camera crews and edit people and sound guys that were there full time in this little like kind of camera crew audio guy bullpen bullpen place. You just, if you needed to shoot something, it was went over, saw who was available, and said, "Hey, come over, we're going to shoot something." Yeah. And everything became much more formalized, schedule driven, and paperwork driven once we got over to the E building, um, which real and and you had to do everything. You know, there was there was a run and gun indie guerrilla quality to the old stuff to the old building. And when we once we got pulled into the Comcast world, um, it became corporate. And, Everything had and, to be planned way in advance. Yeah. It couldn't be spontaneous. And the, the spon and spontaneity was gone. Like the, the the kind of the scrappiness was gone. Doing those sh those episodes where we did like a big like kind of narrative thing, um, which by the way is something I would never have even tried to attempt without Adam. Like Adam was yeah. was the he I was knew the I knew that would work. I knew that fear and loathing episode was going to work because Adam would sell it. I went to yeah. him and I said, if I write Great. a fear and loathing episode, will you do? You know the the Raul stuff. Will you be Johnny Depp in that? Will you be Hunter S. Thompson? And he's like, whatever you need me to do. But you know, he was he was completely <laughs> committed to that. Yeah. Um, in, he in never a way, said I mean, no to anything no. I proposed. Committed to everything, but that in particular, I was like, we're going to do this crazy thing in the middle of the desert, and yeah. you're going to have to memorize this like, this whole thing, is all these monologues and stuff. And he's just like, I'm. I mean, he's like, I've always wanted to play that character. Let's do it. And that was the kind of enthusiasm that got us there, and the fact that like we just went out and did that. We just went out and did that. Like there was, you know, we, yeah. we, there was, there was a, a, there was an infrastructure there to we make that happen. We got the permits if we needed to. Yeah. But if we didn't need to, <laughs> we, didn't. we just went and did it. Um, Damn right. It, I we, loved we it. We drove it into the desert with a pickup truck full of gasoline bombs. Yeah. And that Again, was the end of it. My favorite period of my entire career so far working yeah. at G4 and working on X-Play. That's that it was just brief a magical period, time. That period where we started to realize, wait, we have a budget now. Like, oh, and wait, <laughs> like, we have like a ton of viewers. 
Amazing. Yeah. yeah, it was it was magical. I really loved working. Uh, so you're not going to capture that lightning in a bottle again because like you say, it was a time, it was a thing, it was the the talent involved both in front of and behind the camera. But you could you could effectively replicate it for a new audience, for a new generation. Like there's nothing about the X-Play format that couldn't be adapted. Oh, to of today. course not. Yeah. Um, most of our jokes wouldn't fly anymore because... <laughs> I don't know. They're still pretty funny, man. I go back and watch old episodes. They're I'm still not funny. saying they're not funny. I'm saying they wouldn't fly anymore. Oh, I, because I've watched of the, the, the content of some yeah. of the jokes. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say like, time now. it has not aged well. Like I watched, no. I went no, back and hasn't. looked at some, especially Attack of the Show. Holy cow, that is extremely uh, boring. It's cringy the line of, at times. Uh, yeah, in regards <laughs> to how they treat females, it's a little. It's to that point. Um, yeah. So they will definitely have to fix that up. Um, I do love the segments though that they offered in both X Play and um, Attack of the Show at that time, and I think that still can be brought out in this current age um, and still have that comedy feel. And I think that's for me, even though I didn't witness it during that. I want to probably say indie sketch type of. Uh, um, and not sketchy as in sketchy, but like sketch as... No, we like, get it. Sketch comedy. Uh, sketch comedy. But, um, you know, I think they can still do it what they did with the Comcast era in regards to doing just some humor mixed in with, you know, fun segments and all that kind of stuff. I think mm. they really can nail that. And I think Matt's also right that, you know, the hosts kind of have to be there for the beginning to like pass off the blessing to be, to be honest... The reason why I watched it was because of Kevin Pereira, Adam Sessler, mm. Morgan. I know. Webb, Olivia That's Munch. why people show it's up for the, the people. And it, yeah. it, it, you could, you could, they could talk about the crappiest thing in the world, but yet they made it entertaining for me. And so, if they can find someone at that quality then I think they can nail it. But it's that's a fine line to find, and so I'm really interested to see how that works out. Yeah, the only concern I really have is like. One of our advantages back then was that no one else was doing this. Yeah, like no one, not just that no one else was doing you know video game television, because um, it was it was basically Vic Lucas doing uh, Electric Playground reviews on the run, and that was about it. Uh, but also, no one was doing funny game stuff. No one was doing skit stuff. Mega sixty four didn't exist yet. Like that, yeah. you know, like that kind of thing wasn't a thing. In fact, early on in the show's first couple of years, the most common hate mail complaint we got was that we were trying to be funny and not taking games seriously enough. Mm -hmm. Which, when you look at the YouTube and Twitch culture now, is ridiculous to say. Like, you know, but it was also, if you look back, like a lot of the comments I've seen over the last few days about X Play, like what a lot of people remember most were like was like our editorial. Like how mm -hmm. our yeah. review, how good the our reviews. reviews were and how accurate they were and how we didn't pull any punches. And I saw a lot of people being like, we need like reviews like that again, yeah. blah, blah, and we, blah. And the ability to find what was interesting or funny about the game yeah. in addition to criticize. I mean, the, you, you're never going to top that lifeline review. Yep. We're at it with the, with the talking thing. And we got the, you know, because that's, that's <laughs> one of the famous ones that people bring up a lot to me is that one where an Adam, Adam wrote and produced that himself. And, um, I was in the room when he recorded the footage like for that with a, with a camera on him talking to the game. And at one point he says, he got so fed up with the, with the girl in the game that he just says, bark like a dog. And she goes, <laughs> she goes, a little dog? 
or a big dog. <laughs> and we had, I'm, and like, he just looks at the okay. camera like, what the, and he's looking kind of at me because I'm behind yeah. the camera and I'm, and I'm like, what the, f-? and we tried to get her to do it again and she wouldn't do it. We could never get it Crazy. to happen again. And when we ran it, people were like, oh, that was, that was a joke. That was Morgan. Because it does sound, it, the audio quality is different from the rest of the video. It is, yeah. It's, it's, like, it's like an outtake, clearly. Yeah. And it does kind of sound like Morgan, but that was real. That's in the game. Like that really happened. And it's just like, that moment and we're just like that's the that's it and it was captured which is right that stuff happens and it's lost yeah. so it's great and it's it's uh it was you know, I, I do also love like you know the running gun stuff is is i mean i think that's that's the advantage now though to, to to counter my own point the advantage now on stuff like that is everyone has a fucking camera in their pocket yeah. everyone has a, a at the very least has like a and gopro a or a red camera. a really good camera <laughs> like better cameras than we had that we that paid we use full professionally for. Yeah. yeah so like so you you don't need a full-time camera cruise you just need someone that knows how to point a camera and run the thing properly and who if you're working in production you have to know that everyone so is kind now. of like yep. I, I think it's 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 maybe a better time than ever for a show like that because you are going to be freed up in a way that we were locked down in the late the late aughts and the early tens. The only um, hiccup I would say about this whole thing in regards to if it can be successful or not, it may be because it has the brand name of G4 behind it, it will have some pull in regards to being somewhat successful. Um, yeah. Is I saw probably, I want to say maybe a year ago, a year ago or so on Twitch, there's a spiritual successor to Attack of the Show on Twitch that shows up daily. It literally, I, it, it, the host almost looks like Kevin Pereira. And like, um, and to my knowledge, I thought Kevin actually had partial and don't, I don't know hundred percent on this, but I, if I was reading it right, I thought he did have some influence on this show because the format is almost the exactly the same. It's, it's almost like titled. Is it the attack? The Maybe I'm. Not, I have that's to double check. It's yeah, been a that's while. His. <laughs> the, the attack, attack is, his, is show. his show. It's, it's yeah. yeah it's, and it was it, him that we just saw that thought looked like. Oh, okay. Kevin. Well, no, it wasn't him. It was Alex. Alex. Oh, Alex. Yes, that's him. Alex Correa host host that oh. show. Oh, yeah, okay. so it's like exactly the same format, and it's yeah, it's, it's he's not he basically he 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 called it the attack. He calls his his the production company Attack Media, uh, effectively. Um, Attack is such a generic name you can't copyright it. That's right. really how he gets yeah. away with that. Yeah. Um, but yes, it's a spiritual successor to Attack of the Show for sure. And I, Mitch, just, I didn't see before it we move a, on. Oh, go ahead. So you're younger than Matt and I. So I want you to tell me how much of sort of the modern games media do you think should be a part of a new gaming TV network? How much um, let's plays YouTuber type stuff do you think should be in included in its uh, content rundown? Uh it, it, as long, I mean, I don't care what's in it. As long as it's got the comedy and the right people in front of the in front of the camera to sell it, they could sell me on anything. Like, yeah, we're talking honest. about other shows. Forget about oh, Attack of the Show and X Play um, now. Like well, they have to fill out a yeah, whole roster sure. with content. So and, what and should they do with the rest of the content? One thing I want is they should bring back Ninja Warrior, the original Ninja Warrior. Well, they can't. Well, they can't do that. They can't yeah. do that. Well, no, NBC owns. NBC took that. NBC but they yeah, own so G Four. They own broke it, Ninja and then NBC took no, it. They, they own the whole Ninja Warrior thing. Ah, yeah. That, that, that also Ninja Warrior was originally a made in Japan. Like G Four has no claim on Ninja Warrior at Damn, all. That kind it was of a licensed show cast it in the u.s but then nbc was like oh we like that we're gonna take it yeah it's a, it's a licensed show they have no claim on any of that they don't, yeah. any more than they have on like cops or cheaters or 
stuff like that. It's produced by an outside company. They pay money just to license it. And now it's too big on NBC for anyone to touch. Like NBC will never let that go. Can't it's one afford. of their proven brands. Well, I just would love to see the original back of like the original Japanese version in regards to like mm-hmm. actual Japanese people doing the because the current format is not the original Ninja Warrior, which is a little disheartening to look it at. It has definitely drifted over the yeah. years. That's, That's true. Like, wow. I was like, this is unrecognizable as Ninja Warrior to me. Um, okay, so but, an old take on Ninja Warrior. What else? I don't really know, to be honest. They kind So you don't think that there should be Let's Play stuff? I like do you think that on like, would you watch say, a show that's like the you like all the talent that's willing to do it from the other shows we get them together and do a let's play show once a week or something but or i feel they, like that's they a play they the last of us part two all day or on the day like, it comes out if they did that no because i'm gonna play it myself first before i watch it i might watch it later i mean well, you can say that about any game then why do you invite does anybody watch let's plays well not everybody plans to purchase it right away and play it so like it's for the for those people that yeah, don't but Mitch, you're, you're that. not thinking about you here. You're planning the content for a TV network. You're thinking about everyone. What is everyone going to watch? You don't count. I know I don't count. Uh, and I don't mean it that way. No, you understand no, I what you. I'm saying no, in I, the context I, I, of this I, I question. Totally, I totally get you. Um, it's just like when you pitched saying like, and you know younger let's people. We with, don't with, so. with the hosts and stuff. Like I feel like that's just going to be a segment that they would do within one of the two shows and. I, I really don't know. Like that, I think that's the more interesting thing is I want to see them try something new and fresh that no one else is doing. And that's something that Attack of the Show and X-Play offered at the time. And I think if they want to continue with that success, um, they should try to come up with new creative ways, putting a spin maybe on the Let's Play, but do something so, different with it. So what's the okay. appeal of a Let's Play to you then? Because if you get like, like if you can do a segment out of it, that implies that the appeal is not the length of the play or the, the watching someone play the full thing. It's it's a highlight thing. Is it's, that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, it's the reaction. I like seeing. Re- so like for me personally, I actually. So would you do like I, an hour long let's play with the host and then cut it down to like a four minute highlight reel of that let's play? Is that that would be your preference? Is that why people? Is that why you watch it? Is that like people watch it? Like I don't understand the let's play thing. I don't. I, I've actually so, tried to, and I actually tried to pitch this segment back near the end of G four, and everybody looked at me like I had lobsters. <laughs> crawling out of my ears that I want to just put people playing video games on television. Yeah. And I think, I feel like that stigma is gone now, but as someone who's younger, I'm, in, I'm curious like what, how you would approach that segment. So for me, the biggest thing about Let's Plays is the reaction of the player to the situation that happens. So most of the time, for me personally, I actually, there's a YouTube channel, I forgot the name of it, but I have it subscribed so I can find it. But they literally grab highlights from all the major Twitch streamers from major moments in major games. So like if so I want to compile like someone's betrayed in a game like, and they just show so everyone to, reacting to that same moment. Yeah, they go to God of War and they go to the big dragon fight and where the, the head opens up and lands in front of Kratos, that epic moment. And they just show highlights of how people are feeling at that moment. Because, you know, a lot of the time, because game games is such a isolating, uh, can be, especially if you're playing single player games, it's such an isolated uh, um, social isolation that it's nice to like see how other people feel at the moment that you felt something. So like, I'm always curious of being like, I felt that was amazing. Or if they don't like it, I'm curious on why they don't like it. So for me, that's why I would do the highlights because then you can capture those individual moments that would spark conversation between players and people online to say, well, why didn't why didn't they like it like that or something like that? I 
I find those more interesting than just viewing an entire piece of gameplay because I usually just skip and try to find the highlights that I want to see in regards to the moments that are memorable. That's, that's interesting. That's because an, yeah. like I, I don't think I would have thought of it that way um, in the sense because I would uh, my instinct was always to put the, the hosts together and have it be like a group. So they thing. play off each other. It sounds like what it sounds like what you're you, you could, but it sounds like what you're saying might be more interesting is if we have all the hosts play the games on their own setups and then like say a big twist happens and obviously this would have to be aired like after spoiler time was right. was expired it wasn't exactly. like a new thing but like uh once once that once we do that like we air like a montage of each host in their own personal setup at home or whatever um reacting to that specific twist and you know all that and then maybe have all three of all of them come back and be like oh talk about i kind of yeah, you could talk do a about round their, table yeah, like, like do a round, round table, table about, with the reactions yeah that would be that's i hmm. think that would be genius of the way of um, evolving mm -hmm. the let's play. I'll write that down. I mean, there are those videos, the videos, of react yeah, videos of all over YouTube. I mean, that's what they are. It's just the people reacting over and over to the same. Yeah, thing. I mean, that's the Fine Brothers' entire brand is based around that, obviously. Yeah. And sometimes it's fun just to see like someone having the same like exciting reaction. It's yeah. it's like the same thing of like going to a theater when you go to see Avengers um, Endgame, like. The moment uh, Captain America gets Thor's hammer, like you just can't. Everyone in that moment in the theater is like, "Oh my god!" And it's that—that's for gamers can be an opportunity for everyone to be like, "Oh my god!" Together by seeing other people feel that same reaction. So at the end of the day, you're saying you would not be into long form let's plays. Not really. Not that's unless, tough because you have a lot host... of hours to fill on a TV yeah, network. I mean. <laughs> Well, I don't well, think you I, have a TV network here. You have a you have well, a content all, I, Venn foundation. Ven is kind of tangentially wrapped into this conversation. I will be well. shocked if Ven does anything directly game related like that. Because according to the announcement, if I read it correctly, they are just saying they are only focused on X Play and Attack of the Show. They are not focused on bringing other shows into this G four. Mm, I wasn't aware um, they, of that actually. Um, according to the statement, if I read it correctly, so I don't anticipate them bringing another show back. But while we explore that, I want them to rip Ninja Warrior out of Comcast's hands, but that won't happen. <laughs> All right, so there you go. That's the revival of G4. This conversation was a little longer than I had anticipated, but since Matt and I both worked at the network for quite a long time, um, hopefully we provided some insight to you guys that you may not get on any other podcast related to this. Unless there's another podcast with a bunch of old G4 folks, but I don't think there is. Now that I think about it. We might be the last two left, Matt. <laughs> hmm? uh, well, as far as like G4 people who are still actually like working hardcore in games on podcasts and stuff like that um, sort of I mean you know there's a lot I, I think more of the people that worked on the website during our expansion in 2008 when we went daily which is a whole era of yeah. <laughs> that we don't even really talk about much um, yeah. like Patrick Klepek and all those guys like they're still in it yeah they're still doing it um, but yeah overall I, you're, you're probably right. Yep, not many well, of us left. Everyone else has moved on to to content creation of uh, of a different level. I mean, so have I, I guess. Like, it would be yeah. hard to go back to to that. It's yeah, as much as you're never going to go back and have it be like 2005 again. Well, of course not. Yeah, it could be better. You don't know though. Yeah, just have to wait and see. So anyway, G4 not relaunching until 2021. I'm guessing as we start to get closer, uh, we'll start getting more information and we'll know a lot more. And if it's appropriate, we'll come back and we'll talk about it again. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about what initially I think people thought was just a really terrible Nintendo leak. 
But as the days have kind of gone on since the leak, it's a lot of other companies have been hit too. Now they're not 100% sure that it's the same hackers that got all these other companies, but the data leak for Nintendo was gigantic. And these gigantic leaks have started happening to these other companies now. So people are suspecting that it's the same hacker has, that hacked Nintendo is hacking these other companies, but we're a gaming podcast. So all we care about is Nintendo's. Who those other guys? I'm a little um, shocked that they had any of this accessible through online means. So frankly. It's, it's really so convoluted. Old. Do you ever watch uh, you, the YouTuber Modern Vintage Gamer? No, no. He's a, a YouTuber from the UK, and he's just like the basically the world's biggest Nintendo fanboy. Um, he just he knows everything about Nintendo. In fact, listening to him talk sometimes, I'm like, I feel like he just transported back to me in like 2001 at times. Like he just knows everything, and he did a huge segment about this. Um, and it all the crazy part is it all stems from this little like controller thing that Nintendo made for the N64 to get the N64 games into China. And there is an exploit inside that little goofy controller console that cracked open basically the access to all Nintendo's data. Um, that's where it all started from. And watch his, obviously, his show's great. Go and watch it. He runs through the whole thing. It's very technical. Some of you guys may not be too entertained by it, but if you want to know what really happened, like in the nitty gritty, I'm a programmer details, go check out his video. But essentially that was the Trojan horse that got people kind of into Nintendo's network. Um, but nobody anticipated that anyone, one, I don't think anyone anticipated, like you said, that Nintendo would have important information like this on those servers, but they did. And these hackers got it. And now the source code, at first, we thought it was source code for a bunch of SNES games uh, and the big and big ones, I would add. They were probably the biggest SNES games. Keep in mind, source code has never, ever leaked for these games, ever. Nintendo has kept control of it all this time. So at first we thought it was only SNES. And then like the next day came the N64 stuff. Uh, source code for Super Mario 64. Source code for... The Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time. Uh, they dug into the source code in Super Mario 64 and found a Luigi character model. And for the last three days, the internet's been raging, trying to figure out if he was actually in the game at some point or if it was just a model that they built. Like, it's crazy. Um, I'm sure Nintendo is learned a very valuable lesson. But the crazy part is this has been going for a while. Like, that star, that controller peripheral console thing they launched launched a long time ago. And Nintendo was aware that that provided access to their networks way, way back then. And somehow, some way, they didn't manage to sort of close the holes in their networks to keep people from getting back in there and getting stuff. Now, my question is, what are the implications of this source code getting out? Other than, you know, piracy, but, you know, you can already pirate these games. You know, there's Ultra HLE, and you can play N64 ROMs in, you know, 1080p or whatever already. So what is sort of the big deal? I think a lot of people are having problems understanding why this is a big deal when the ROMs are kind of out there already. I mean, I also, I mean, I agree. I don't know why it's that's such a big deal beyond, like, curiosity about how the source code works, like, you know, if you're really hardcore into the programming of these things and want to dig into why they are what they are or how they are what they are or see all these 
deleted things and you know never made it to the to the final product. Like I saw like some there's a bunch of like Donkey Kong models that that were yeah. from some other game that never got made and like that kind of thing. You know, and, and that game like there were I saw like them running part of it and it has um it has uh, music from that were that was in a later Mario game. Um, they also found an entire level for Ocarina of Time mm-hmm. that renders that literally they can look yeah. at the level that was built but never actually used in the game. Like I don't know, like I don't know much about this side of things. Like to me, it seems like more like a curiosity than anything else. Like uh, or, or or like a, a historical record thing. Like you know, you have you finally you have this on on record somewhere, and you know, in the same way that people like to dump ROMs of like rare games or games that there's only like five copies of or whatever. Like you have that that uh, there's been a couple games that there's very, they're very rare. There's maybe a few copies in existence, and like the people that have the copies won't dump the, won't dump the the game as a ROM because they like they think it'll hurt the value of the game they paid a lot of money for. Um, that kind of thing. So I'm not sure what people, uh, like, I don't know if there's anything that someone could do with this stuff that would hurt Nintendo. I mean, these games are very old. They're not, uh, yeah. you know, they're not a current on current shelves or you're not going to be taking sales away from Super Mario 64, Ocarina of Time. Um, I think it's more of a educational thing at this point. Obviously, probably some laws are broken doing this. Oh yeah. Uh, so that's different. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. But um it is just, it's also kind of a bizarre object lesson in like, you gotta, when you do things like this controller thing, like when you're done with it, you gotta clean that up. Yeah. You got, you can't just leave that sitting there in some sort of dusty corner of the internet because one day someone's going to find it. Yep. And they did. And they used it to get this stuff. The other thing that we should mention is it wasn't just source code that was stolen. They got like everything yeah, like they assets got, and concept art and like and it was, emails like they got yeah. all the emails from nintendo employees to each other they found code that was never released like the guy who wrote uh star fox for the snes right. they found something in those archives that he had not seen since the day he finished working mm-hmm. on star fox and that's what alerted him he was like wait a minute like i coded this mm-hmm. like 20 some years ago and i haven't seen it since where is this coming from and then they discovered. They yeah, I, I also saw like I mean it'll probably improve a lot of the the, the ROM hacking scene and that kind of thing because uh, I did see someone that had gone through it who work does like ROM stuff and like one of their specialties is Star Fox and uh, they he they believed that if they dug into the source code enough they might find because one of the problems with Star Fox emulated is the speed of the enemies is tied to the frame rate. No, oh, um, just because of a certain way the 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 super effects chip works and how they they accelerate do the hardware acceleration to make the 3D work on the Super Nintendo. Um, so if you try to bump the frame rate above the standard 30 frames per second, all the enemies move at super speed and it you can't breaks, play the game. Yeah. So they be- this guy believed that with the source code he might be able to figure out a way to disconnect the enemy uh, behavior from the frame rate it, maybe. and like so you could have like 60 or 120 <clears throat> frames a second Star Fox but it would play normally, which is impossible right now with the ROMs they have. Um, so that kind of thing, uh, that seems like, like on one hand, to someone who wants to play Star Fox in a higher frame rate with like a better presentation, that's a big deal. But in the scheme of things, it's not much of a big deal, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's interesting. It is, you know, and like there was like character portraits from Star Fox that like they, uh, you know, characters that have never been 
in Star yeah. Trek. Never seen. Never, there was never lots of those for a lot of games. Um, characters that they worked on, even built mm -hmm. models for, never And like that stuff's exciting. Like, I don't know how important any of that is, but it is pretty cool to see some of these yeah, things. Yeah, because you're... Yeah, I mean, you're looking behind the curtain at mm -hmm. Nintendo. I mean, here's the other thing. Like, this. But they week, probably forgot about all that stuff. Like they did. Said, I'm the sure Star they Fox, did. Yeah. I Star mean, Fox, this, I was like, what the hell? Like, you know, people are like, why wasn't this ever in like a behind the scenes book or an art book or something? Probably because no one even knew it was still there. Yeah. Like, stuff like, like from that era can disappear in a second. Like, archiving was not really on point back in the 90s like that. Yep, it absolutely. There definitely was an auto archiving. It was no. something that you had to do manually back then, and you had to make a point to do it. Right, and like a lot of the early like silent films and radio broadcasts, and like you know, any Doctor Who fan knows this. Uh, no one back then, it never occurred to people that anyone would ever want to watch this again. So yeah. we, that's why we don't have a lot of the old silent movies. Is why the BBC recorded over the master tapes of a bunch of Doctor Who episodes, so they're lost. And the only <laughs> way to find them again is like Crazy. people dig up film copies that were sent to like Brazil, like for yeah. like syndication and stuff. Like it's like realizing that a nascent art form is going to be important and want to be archived and studied by future people human beings are very slow to realize that. And yeah. you're seeing that now with video games. That, well, it like, takes a level of narcissism, right? <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, you're right. A little I bit. Mean, um, to does, believe. Yeah. I mean, also like, I mean, you got to go back and put yourself, especially if you're younger, you got to go back and think if you were, when we were young and playing like this at Apple IIe stuff, the idea that anyone 40 years from now would care about Karataka is right. nonsense, yeah. but we do. And like, yeah. You know, that it, in, retro, in hindsight, it feels obvious. It feels like, of course, if we spend hours and hours doing this as children, we're going to want to revisit it. We're going to be nostalgic adults. for it. Yeah. But we just, people just weren't thinking about it. Like they're just, it was, a, it was a job. It was a business. It was a product. It was not art yet. Yeah, that's true. It was a different perspective on games back yeah. then. The other thing too, is that this leak is so vast. We really, we have no idea what's in it still. There, yeah. I mean, there is, they have just, I don't even know if they've scratched the surface at, the, of, at this point. The amount of data in there is mind boggling. So I think more stuff is going to come out, although I do agree. I, I don't know that this is detrimental to Nintendo other than its pride because mm -hmm. you are starting to, Nintendo more than any other gaming company, in my estimation, is more concerned about one, keeping stuff like what was just leaked secret and two, feeling shame when they don't succeed at doing that. So mm -hmm. um, we say it's not a big deal. And financially, it really isn't for Nintendo. But at Nintendo, I believe it's a gigantic deal. Oh, internally, I'm sure they're furious. It's a giga deal at yeah. Nintendo. So um, it, it sucks. Hackers But suck. I hope that with all this rediscovered stuff, they can, I hope with all the, re you know, look, it's not like, you know, the ROMs have already been out there. The piracy has been out there. I don't think it's stopping anybody from from buying, you know, retro copies of virtual console games or things on the Switch or anything. I, you know, certainly, I don't care how good the ROM of Super Mario 64 is. I'm still going to get that Mario 3D anniversary remaster package on Switch if that exists this fall. Like, you know, it's not going to stop me. from. But I do hope that going forward, maybe Nintendo has now. I'm sure Nintendo doesn't have access to the source code until now either. Like, yeah. so maybe that can help them. You know, especially considering like it really in in the past has occasionally looked like to put like emulated virtual console stuff up. It looks like they might have just taken ROM dumps from the internet. Yep. Um, so like maybe this will help their archive a little bit too. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, Bunko in chat uh, says it's the IQ, and he's right. That's that's the handheld mm -hmm. Nintendo device thingy that ended up unlocking IQ, uh, the right. pathway to all these leaks. So anyway, um, a lot of people are right. 
Um, this isn't a big deal for us for Nintendo, but internally, it absolutely is. It'll be interesting to see what, how Nintendo deals with this stuff going forward as more stuff continues to leak because it's going to. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk about Netflix, and we're going to talk about The Witcher, and we're going to talk about culture-related gaming stuff because what I'm really starting to notice is that it's just like complete overload at this point. Um, we have movies coming, video game-related movies. There's probably 30 in the that are being worked on right now. Um, gaming TV shows, not quite as prevalent, but I can probably name nine right off the top of my head as far as TV shows based on gaming properties that are coming. Uh, this week, Netflix announced that it is now producing a third Witcher TV series. So we had the first one, which Netflix also shared 75 million people watched. Holy cow. Um, which explains the next two, which is there's an animated show that's coming that was announced a while ago. And now there's another live action series coming that is actually a prequel to everything. And Geralt, obvi- for obvious reasons, won't even be in it. Matt, is there, are there enough people interested in gaming IP to go around for all this stuff that's on the way? Um, well, first off... Or does it matter even? Well, Have first off, I will. Point? Well, first off, I will say that The Witcher is not a gaming-related IP in terms of how Netflix is handling. This is all book-related. That's true. Um, but I the, think the vast majority of people do look at it as a gaming-related IP. I don't agree with that because most of the people that I know who like The Witcher now don't know it was a game. They know it's a Netflix show. There's a lot more people that were introduced to The Witcher through the Netflix series than, than through the games. Well, um, 75 million people watch it, obviously. That's yeah, the truth. Although, I don't lot. know how many well, copies The Witcher I, 3 ended up selling. Witcher 3 ended up selling somewhere around 10 million. Which 10 to 15 million. Which Shane, I wow. will That's a huge say game. Netflix kind of fudges their numbers a bit. They, their only expectation is you watch the first five minutes. Of so so 75 million people watch at least five minutes of it. A little bit. But at this, one way or the other, the vast, vast majority of people who know The, the Witcher know it from that show. Yes, um, that's true. It's and uh, and look, maybe the people that watched the whole thing knew it from the game, and that's why we were invested. But most people are going to know that as the show. I mean, my mom watched the show, and her and she obviously knows me. And her thing was like, "Oh yeah, you talked about that at some point. Yeah, I remember that." But <laughs> yeah, like, she it was knows just it my game of the decade. <laughs> now, I, when you, I can't name a whole lot of gaming stuff coming to. I'd, I'd, like, I'd like to hear you name some of those. Yeah, I, don't I, don't know know. I mean, the only things I can think of, I mean, obviously there's going to be a Sonic the Hedgehog sequel. Mortal Kombat. Um, is, is gonna be, Mortal Kombat has an animated thing coming. Uncharted is theoretically shooting soon. Tom Holland said that they're about to start shooting the Uncharted movie finally. Um, I would imagine there's another Lara Croft thing in the, in the works somewhere. Uh, but it doesn't seem that saturated to me yet. I mean, part of that might just be because production is essentially on hold for a year uh, because of the pandemic. But uh, it doesn't doesn't seem all you know. Mortal Kombat is not that surprising because there's been a Mortal Kombat show on television probably more often than there hasn't been since that game premiere. There's been a lot of Mortal Kombat stuff in media because it's so easy to adapt that to a narrative form. Like there was a TV show, a live action show. There was the um, the animated series, which is awful like i mean it, it's it, they've always tried to do that but like it doesn't seem like much more that it just seems like it's actually being successful more often now than anything else and i think like anything like with the superhero stuff if there's a natural saturation point you'll hit it and it'll stop but as with the superheroes hadn't happened yet so may, maybe games 
will finally find their niche on that. But I think it's a matter of, oh, The Last of Us 2, Last of Us getting its its TV series. That's years and years out, though. Um, There's I don't think we're going to know the answer to your question. Sorry. I don't know. I think we're going to know. The, but again, Fallout is years and years. Out. Like, I don't think we're going to know the answer to your question for three to four years minimum. Like, it's a long way out. Production. Well, I guess to my own point, actually, I'm seeing all this stuff get announced. So I feel like I'm being deluged with all these shows and movies. But you're right. In most cases, they are not coming for a while. Yeah. Still. And also, let's see how many of them actually end up making you know the uncharted movie has been in production for what 10 years metal gear movie has been in production for a long yeah, time metal gear metal gear feels like an obvious one it's too bad they couldn't get that done in time to have kurt russell in it yeah and be, i mean i guess he could cameo as big boss or something like that'd be fun but like i don't know like it, i i i am of the opinion that there are maybe five or six game stories that are worth adapting into a non-interactive media situation but like i don't know who knows um like it's not something that I want to run to the theater and see. Like Witcher is interesting to me because they are pulling from the, the from the books more. Um, I mean, Hello Neighbor is getting an animated series. Yeah, I mean, animated I mean- series to me, <laughs> anima- animated series to me doesn't move my needle because they've always done animated series out of video games. Hello Neighbor is an odd choice because like it seems like real down and niche. I mean, there was a maniac. That's what I'm man- talking about, though. That's but, where it's going because they're uh, running out of the big properties now. They're having even, to go to even, these indie games. But I don't even agree with that because, like, it's always been like that. The smaller indie games are have always been easier to, to license. I mean, there was a maniac live-action Maniac Mansion TV series. Indivisible in TV show coming. This that's, is just that's literally... An one. I mean, Matt, I'm literally just right now on the culture page on Sifted, and I'm only on the third day and I just found three gaming TV shows. Well, that's because we've been going through Comic-Con, so all this stuff has been being announced in the same week. It's also why G4 had its teaser floated. Because uh, this, is, this is the time to announce all that stuff. It, it's less obvious because it's just online streaming panels now. If there was an actual Comic-Con happening in San Diego, I think it would be more obvious. That like, oh, this is all happening because it's, it's this week. Um, but yeah, Monster, that's why there's Monster Hunter movie on the way. To, yeah. to your to your point, Matt, a bit. Um, yeah, Monster Hunter actually got pushed to 2020. Uh, Sims reality I'm TV sorry, show but, coming to TBS. Anyways, um, I mean, no, that's funny. But just think, go to the culture page. You'll see Matt. Like it, it's it goes beyond where Comic Con started. Like literally, at least three a week. Right. Announced. But what I'm saying is like, let's see how many of these end up existing. Sure. And, and, and the I, other thing to probably go with half that point, if you're lucky. Yeah. The other thing to go with that point, Matt, is some projects may evolve into something completely different. The Halo movie turned out to be District 9, I think it's called. No, that's well, it didn't. It was uh, the Halo movie got killed. And basically, Peter Jackson uh, decided to let um, Neil Blomkamp make this movie kind of almost as a consolation uh, for having wasted all his time trying to make the Halo movie happen, because District Nine is based on Neil Blomkamp's short film um, uh, that was the same premise from years earlier. Um, I think it uses a lot of the same tech that they would have used for a, for a Halo movie in terms of effects that Weta, Weta did, but it is not related to the Halo movie beyond it had the same kind of director and, and creative team okay. working on it. That was like as long as you're all as long as you're all in the room, why don't we just make that movie instead? Um, the, the Halo movie is another thing that is, it's, it's, I mean, I, they got that forward onto Dawn video series made that was, you know, came with Master Chief Collection or whatever. Yeah. But it is a little surprising to me that, that Halo never got any kind of narrative work off the ground in that regard because it's, it seems like that would be a lot easier to get done than um, continuing to drag Master Chief through an extended story that doesn't make any sense anymore. I think what I'm realizing is that the only people 
who are annoyed with so many gaming TV shows and movies or films are gamers and <laughs> not all of them, but the average person, like your mom, she doesn't care. Like well, she cares know. about it if she likes it, you know, everything is so geek focused in media right now that you're just going to yeah. look at something like that. And if, unless it's a really recognizable name, like Mario or Sonic, you're just gonna be like, Oh, it's just another weird thing. You know, it's like, another sci-fi show. Like there's or just there's no reason. You, show. Right. Like there's no reason the expanse couldn't be like a, have been a video game back in the day or something, but instead it's a sci-fi book. I, like, I would ask you, Shane, what, what's the, what's the issue with having that much content? Like even, even if it's, even if you get like five good shows out of that, like that's still worth throwing 30 pieces of IP out there to see what you could do with it. I'm not saying that I have a problem with it. Um, on, I mean, I guess it depends on how much you care about a given IP. Um, I don't really care about IP that much. So if somebody ruins the Witcher with a TV show, I don't care as long as the games continue to be good. But to me, that's the concern is that one, it cheapens individual IPs based upon the performances of those shows or those films, or it just cheapens the industry in general to the more casual observer. Well, I think the, the counter to that, or at least the consolation on that, is that for the vast majority of people who might end up being disappointed by those shows or those movies, they were never going to play a game anyway. You're probably right. Like that, you know, it's, you're just trying to reach a wider audience that would never give you money and never give you the time of day in game form. So if you blow it with them, you haven't really lost a whole lot. I and think more of it's no just an how, indictment on how Hollywood is just creatively bankrupt at this point. Yeah, that's always been how they've worked, though. Like, you know, even going, you know, that's people used to say the same thing about Hollywood in the golden age of Hollywood because all their movies were based on books. Like, Interesting. They, they would say like, oh, Hollywood doesn't have any original ideas. That's why they have to always cannibalize books to make movies out. And now we think of a movie that's based on a book as like practically intellectual, right? <laughs> it's, like, funny. it's like, oh, wow, they read a book to make that movie. Did you know that? It's like, it's different, yeah. you know, because otherwise you just had to play Sonic the Hedgehog to play yeah. to make that movie. It's like, um, see, so yeah, I'm not too, um, although on the other hand, it's like if you want to, you know, make, make a Final Fantasy movie, you had to play a very long game to get through that. Do you think um, there's a saturation point? So do you think this third Witcher show might be a breaking point for The Witcher? No, no? not at all. Um, first off, the, the origin of The Witcher world is really interesting. Um, it is. Yeah. Because it's basically, a because that's the thing, and I think it took until Witcher 3 more or less to kind of get into that because it assumes, it, either it assumes you knew it from reading the books or you don't need to know it because it doesn't matter for the first two two games. Um, like the wild hunt stuff comes from the fact that like elves and monsters and weird magical stuff in the Witcher comes from, from what was called the conjunction of the spheres where basically two parallel realities met and that one reality had elves and monsters and creatures in it and magic and our normal earth reality merged with it. And like it dumped all this crazy fan fairy tale stuff on us. explain that briefly in the show, actually. Yeah, they talk about it a little bit, in the, and they yeah, mention it in, the, in, the, cuff, in the announcement, yeah. but basically that's what happened, and the reason the witchers arose was because people were being terrorized by these monsters everywhere, and so basically a, a Jedi order called the witchers arose to fight these things, and what we see in the series and, of course, in the game that we've already seen is the tail end of that where all that's sort of under control and uh, the witchers are dying off because they're not really needed anymore. So this prequel series will kind of be in the heyday. It'd be like the old Republic, you know, it'd be, it'd be the yep. Knights of the Old Republic equivalent for the witcher, which I think could be interesting, not just because you're seeing the origin of this thing, but because 
the world at that time is going to be much, much crazier. So they could they could really pull a lot of actiony stuff out of it. It could be a little more faster paced than the than the Geralt story is. Um, and then the animated series, like I'm I'm curious who that's going to be for. Um, if that's going to be more of a like a Tales of the Witcher thing, or if it's going to be more of a like a like an animatrix sort of thing. Like there could be there could be a lot of possibility there. So I don't think you really saturate anything with that i think that's a cool just like here's some more witcher stuff while you wait for season two because they didn't finish shooting season two before the pandemic hit so that's probably going to get delayed a little bit it was supposed to be i think be out this year i think or early next year um so we'll see i'm not worried about saturating the witcher because uh, at this point uh people just want more witcher in the same way that they want more mandalorian mm-hmm. um so we'll see uh, in terms of saturating with video i think the advantage with video game stuff is at the very least unlike superhero stuff you have a lot more variety in terms of what people are adapting. Like, I don't expect yeah. Sonic the Hedgehog to feel, like, to feel like Last of Us, to feel like Uncharted, etc. You know, so, I think you're freer in that regard. Like, every game movie and game TV show is not going to feel like every other game movie and TV show. Um, so, that'll help. Like, I and and the, luckily for people making these things, uh, the general wide audience doesn't even know that this stuff's based on a video game, so they're not going to generally judge it on that. To, um, to add right. to you, Matt, just for a quick second, I would just say that, you know, I think the most compelling thing about this prequel show, it doesn't have Geralt in it. Like, I, mm-hmm. I like Geralt, and I am enjoying the first season of The Witcher. I really did like it a lot, and I look forward to season two, but I am looking forward to learning more about other Witchers, because Geralt is not the only one. Yep. Yep. Maybe they'll call it Witchers instead of The Witcher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm guessing they'll call it The Witcher Conjunction of the Spheres. Oh. Interesting. We'll see. So anyway, call Netflix. I got them all for you. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about uh, Paper Mario, the Origami King. Uh, It led our show last week. We're not going to talk about it for a long time, mostly because Matt did not play anymore, right? I didn't touch another minute of that piece of shit. Okay, so um, I did. I continued to play it. And Mitch, you played a little it's more. It's not a piece of shit. I just annoyed with that game. <laughs> uh, yeah, I got, Mitch, about, you played I a got little about five to six hours in the game. Okay. I am like on the last streamer. So I'm basically coming down the home stretch at this point. Um, the thing we talked about the most last week <clears throat> was the use of a timer and the, the related coin system that comes along with it. Now, Mitch created an excellent uh, episode of Game Flip for Sifted HQ this week, where he goes into the game and tries to pull out things that he feels could improve it. Um, And I think it's a great segment, and there's a lot of really good information in there. Um, But I have played a lot more. And like Matt, I I wasn't quite as frustrated as Matt was last week because I had already started to click with the puzzles a little bit but what happened for me since we last talked about this game is they totally clicked um it got to the point where it's to the point now where i see a board and pretty quickly i can get it sorted out and solve the puzzle um i still don't solve them all sometimes i just give up and just hit like all the button for the for the rings and just say let's just see what happens but I have become a lot better and a lot quicker at solving the puzzles. Now, while that does help a lot with the whole system, the, the tug of war between the coins and getting extra time, um, I still am right up against it. Like I still, when I go back to Toad Town to hit the store, I'm making a tough decision on whether I want to spend my coins on an extra pair of boots that I need or whether I want to sp- spend that coin 
on in the battles to cheer me on or to get extra time. Um, another thing that I realized that made this game a lot easier is that when you get the toads to cheer, they almost always give you health. And so uh, in the boss fights now, I've just started like, if I even lose a little bit of health, I just select a cheer at the beginning of my turn and I'll get like half of my health back before the turn, uh, before uh, the next, the, the enemy, the boss gets another turn. I um, mean, that has helped a great deal, but I am still really surprised that this game is the way it is, considering it, it really is targeted at kids. There's some writing in there that has some innuendo in it that will appeal to adults, and the writing's really good in general and really funny, and it does stay that way consistently throughout the entire game, which is really impressive. But ultimately, it's, it's still really hard for me to see a kid enjoying this game. And the other thing I would say, too, is the longer I played the game, it doesn't do a good job or a good enough job of introducing new elements to you to keep it interesting. And as I said last week, you're not overwhelmed with combat in this game. There really aren't random encounters. You can see the enemies in the field, and every once in a while you get caught off guard and you end up having to go into a battle that you don't want to go into. But for the most part, you can pretty much pick and choose when you want to go into battle. So this game isn't one of those games where you're battling constantly, and yet... At the point I am in the game, I'm pretty much done with the combat because you just keep getting a more powerful hammer and a more powerful boots. And then the enemies, like they're the same like five enemy types, but now they wear a hat. And so now you need to use more powerful boots on them or, they're, or it's not, not going to do any damage. That's kind of how the game progresses. And again, you don't really level um, when you get like when you improve your max health, it says vaguely that you're becoming more powerful. It doesn't say how or why. It just says, and you're also becoming a little more powerful now. And I'm like, okay, what does that mean? Like, I don't even, and you don't really feel it in combat either. Maybe each attack goes up by like one hit point or something like that. But I will say this, last week when I was talking about this game, I really didn't think that I was going to continue playing it. I figured when the show was over, I was going to go back to Ghost of Tsushima. I have not played a second more of Ghost of Tsushima from Game Face last week. I did go back and play a lot more of this game, and that's because I just could not accept the conclusion that I had come to playing the first like five or six hours of it. I just couldn't. I couldn't believe that Nintendo would make a game that way. I just couldn't. I'm like, okay, the beginning is a little rough, but eventually it's going to smooth out, and Nintendo's going to show what it usually does, which is balance games really well. It does a little bit, but not really. It's still pretty much a grind all the way to the end of the game. Um, another pro tip I would give you before you dive into this game is turn off the motion controls. Um, they're not that annoying, and they work mostly well when you're playing the game, but there is one boss fight in particular where you get the boss all the way down to where he has one pixel left, and he transforms. And then you have to use the thousand arms to finish him off you have with one last move. So you have to get in next to him, then activate the thousand arms and use it. Well, what happens is the boss starts juking from side to side, and then he'll stop. And when he stops, that's when you grab him with the arms, and then you can attack him. Well, doing that with motion controls, it was impossible. I could never get my cursor or my arms to line up on him. It, they would just jerk all over the place, and I could never grab him. I turned off the motion controls, beat the boss next battle. And there's lots of goofy stuff like that in here. So 
I would definitely recommend turning off the motion controls in this game. It was a little tip that I gave Mitch that he ended up tossing into uh, Game Flip as well. If you use um, the Pro Controller, it automatically turns off the motion controls. So uh, like it does I, not. So it I, does not. Did not. Mine stayed oh, on. Not. Mine turned off for some no, reason. No, it didn't, Mitch. It didn't. It didn't. They're oh. still there, but they're very. They're a lot more subtle when you use the Pro Controller, but they're there. Oh. Um, once you turn it off, you have to use the stick to do anything. He'll just sit still. Um, because I played with the Pro Controller and huh. for most of the game, honestly, and I had to go in and turn it off for it to go away. So that's my pro tip to you guys. I would say this. I like the game more now than I did last week. Um, I, I don't know that I would change my buyer's recommendation. I still think it's targeted more towards older players, but I did end up having a good bit of fun with the game. Um, once I kind of, once it plateaued a little bit, and wasn't just completely brutal uh, with how you need to spend your coins and getting extra time in battles and things like that. So um, this is why I did it to see if, you know, the first handful of hours weren't indicative of the entire game. And well, for the most part, they were, they weren't entirely. And so I'm glad that I went back and I spent more time with the game so I could come back and kind of give you guys some updated impressions. Mitch, how did, how did your impressions change uh, after you played some more time? Did, or did they? Or do you still feel the same way? Because you're still kind of in that same area where you're just grinding it. Yeah, I mean, I texted you both when I hit, yeah. that, hit that part. Uh, I, I agree that the, the timer is needless and stupid, and I think it ruins the gameplay altogether. Um, like, it's weird, because I would like to... I, I mean, I could go back and finish this game for sure. Do I have the motivation to? Not really. Um, if it's just going to keep being this way, I don't see the reason why I should, if it's just going to get harder and harder in the, and having this, the timer, because even when I was doing my, now I'd argue it doesn't get harder. I would argue it does let up a little bit. It never becomes easy, but it does let up a little bit. But again, I think a big part of that was just me becoming better at the puzzles. And I think that will happen for you too, because I didn't have that breakthrough epiphany moment until like hour seven or eight. I'm not kidding. Where I like, where I finally really, that's a long time. It is. It that's absolutely is. Long. And I said a million times, if it takes a game seven hours to get good, then the game's not good. And I agree with that here as well. I'm just letting you know that it does let up a little bit. So if you are thinking about, hey, maybe I should finish this, that it isn't as tough as it is right now for the rest of the time. Yeah, it's something I probably won't like. I w I will not recommend this game at full price to anybody. If it's like twenty bucks and you really want something, which you know is never going to happen, it never will. Nintendo yeah, never Nintendo. down down like, unless you go to like your local GameStop where it's where it's twenty bucks because so many people potentially maybe returned it because yeah, definitely played the first few hours. Played the first few hours. <laughs> um, so uh, I I think if it's like uh, if you see it there for twenty dollars, I'd get it. Uh, but at the moment, I can't justify charging sixty, and I'll I'll keep it on my switch and maybe revisit it another time so you won't delete it <laughs> no it's not getting deleted because you know the, like, that is even, kind of the pecking order though isn't it yeah, it's like it, what, what game am i going to delete next what game am i least likely to play again well because when i was doing my b-roll for uh game flip i was realizing and that we've already i talked to you guys about this earlier but uh like i realized that i was like how am i so stupid i didn't solve this damn puzzle like just just because of the, the it's timer. the pressure. It's the pressure. And I don't mm. do well with pressure. So if you're a person that doesn't do well under the confines of pressure, under the gun. this yeah. game might not be for Oh, it'll you. crush you. It will. It'll crush, it'll crush you. your soul. <laughs> it will. Absolutely, it will. With a, uh, with but a do you like it anymore or any less? Has, it changed? Have your, has your opinion changed at all now that you spent more time? 
now understanding the puzzle part, yeah, I I am I probably am not liking the game as much as I did in the beginning, but that's just because I didn't hit the difficulty curve that the game offered to you. Um, yeah. But besides that, I love the writing. I love I love the I love the it world. It is beautiful, it's, it's, by the way. Yeah, it's great. You know, the other thing I would say about this game is the farther you get into it, the better it looks. Games used to be designed that way. They haven't been that way for a really long time. But this game is like that. Like the further I went, the more beautiful and eye catching and awe inspiring the uh, the environments were. So yeah, more I mean, incentive the, to continue if you yeah if you the quirkiness, the writing's excellent, the visuals are beautiful, and it does. That's probably the only motivation I have to keep going is because I I enjoy that part of the game so much. Um, it just sucks that the combat has to be such a issue. Um, sure. Yeah. yeah. So, but but yeah. So there you go. That's Paper Mario the Origami King. Matt, if you ever go back to it, which I highly doubt, <laughs> it doesn't sound like you have any interest in doing that. Uh, but if you ever do, let us know, and uh, we'll give you some time here on Game Face for you to expand a little bit on your impressions. Uh, you next at least up. expect it. <laughs> <laughs> well, things could dry up here pretty soon, man. <laughs> I've been looking at uh, Dossier for August, and it's not a banner month. So you, you may find yourself next month looking at uh, things that are sitting on your hard drives and maybe considering going back to them. So we'll see. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Hideo Kojima and his the dreams and visions for his next game. Uh, all, all signs are pointing right now, I believe, to some sort of a sequel to Death Stranding. Um, there's been some evidence on Twitter. He's been talking about the next game and some of the stuff that was shown on his desk, which he does on purpose. Uh, the stuff on his desk, when you zoomed in on it, you could see it was stuff related to Death Stranding. So I do believe that his next game will at least be set in the Death Stranding universe. And this week, we got reports, again from Kojima, he's not shy about this stuff, that he has been talking to, I'm probably going to massacre this name, Junji Ito. I believe Junji. that's how you say Junji, right? Junji Ito. Junji, okay. Junji Ito. He is a legendary manga creator in Japan that specializes in horror. And if you've mm -hmm. ever seen some of his work... It's pretty amazing. Yeah. I mean, I've ever seen uh, I'm a gore hound, so I think it's amazing. You may think it's disgusting. <laughs> if you've ever seen, like, it was a meme going around, uh, goes around periodically. The one where the the they find like a wall with all these human shaped holes in it, and people keep like compulsively climbing into them and falling down them and dying and getting crushed in them. That's that's Junji Ito. That's him. Like that's <laughs> that's his demented this, mind. This hole, it was made for me. Like that's yeah. him. Uh, yeah. He's he's one of the one of the most respected horror mangakas uh, working today. Probably the, I would argue. Yep, it's up there, real up there. And so, like, the collaboration with, makes a lot of sense. Well, especially, especially if you're making a horror game. <laughs> especially if you're making a horror game, but also, like, I can see Ido um, pulling the potential out of the Death Stranding universe. I could too. Like, I finding, finding, because I the, do think the there's potential there. I do yes. not like Death Stranding at all, really. But mm. one thing I do like is I like the world and I like the characters and I like the universe. And I would love to see that stuff repurposed in some other game that I will actually enjoy playing. Um, and I do think that Death Stranding, that world that he's created for that, has the latitude to absolutely do horror. And I think another thing that's pointing towards this direction for Kojima's next game is that he tried to work on Silent Hill. He mm. created the PT demo. 
that is legendary now and people are begging for it to come back and I'll never get back because I deleted it off my freaking hard drive like an idiot. Um, just the, the just the buzz that PT and Silent Hills created for that, what was it, an eight-month window before it all went away, something like mm-hmm. that, from beginning to end? Uh, just the hype that that all created, that it's still creating. People are still excited about PT, still want Silent Hills to be finished and completed. Um, so I think everything has just been pointing to him going this direction. I do find it odd that he's never really done a horror game before. I mean, unless you count like Boktai, where you play as like a vampire. I mean, I, mean, I would kind of can count uh, Snatcher. Um, yeah, it's more of like a thriller, I guess. Sort of. I mean, it's, it's a sci-fi Blade Runner ripoff because nothing, yeah. do- nothing he does isn't a ripoff <laughs> of something. Yeah. But I would argue that it at least has enough horror elements. You can consider it a hybrid. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, it's very hard to play Snatcher now because, yes, uh, it although it, I mean, it was on that that TurboGrafx-16, uh, but yep. it's the Japanese version, so it's not in English. Uh, yeah, it was pretty. I was for the time that was a pretty good game in terms of story. Like it was, a, is an impressive um, depth of story for a Sega CD title. Um, I'll give it that. But it's the secondary market prices are crazy now. I do appreciate the sheer Kojima-ness of being like, well, if you won't give me Silent Hill, I'm just going to go to the best horror manga guy in the world and be like, we're going to make a game together. And do it yeah. myself. Yeah. Just, so, like, the other thing I'm excited for is because, look, both of us have our misgivings with Kojima. We like the guy, but we're, sure. we're not enamored with him the way a lot of people are. Um, I think that's maybe a fair way to state it. And... I would say I would be really, really, really excited for a horror game made by Hideo Kojima because while I didn't like Death Stranding and some of his other games, and his, I think typically my biggest issue with his games is the gameplay, and I'm a gameplay-first guy, so that makes sense, but there are some things that he is so good at that a lot of other developers are not good at, and I would love to see stuff like that come to the horror genre, to be perfectly honest with you. Just the goofy weird creative stuff that he does with his games horror games have a way of taking themselves way too seriously and i feel like kojima has a pretty good kind of sixth sense about how to inject humor at the right and wrong times in games where you can impart them with some levity without ruining the tension so i would love to see him handle a horror game and just see the way that he makes games his approach to the medium sort of play out in one of my favorite sort of subgenres. Uh, I mean, that's interesting because to me, I think his great, one of his greatest weaknesses is that he doesn't know when to put the levity in and without breaking everything. I think he's kind of the king of inappropriate tone breaking moments. Um, but like my, my confidence or interest in this would be because I would imagine that Ito would not let him get away with something all right. like that. He'd take control of all that stuff. Like, yeah, yeah I, I think if he's willing to listen to Ito, and you should be, um, especially if it's your first horror game, uh, or at least first horror game since you kind of put horror elements in Snatcher. I mean, there's been horror elements in a lot of his stuff. I mean, you could argue that um, the, the stuff in Metal Gear Solid Five is is horror. Uh, the stuff that the, the skull... Uh, the skull cowboy or whatever the hell he was. Yeah. You know, like skull face, whatever that guy. I don't know. I don't yeah, remember. Metal on the fringe. Like getting giant monsters walking through the dust and something. There's, you know, death stranding definitely has horror elements to it all through it. Um, like I, I, but I would hope that Kojima would be, um, 
aware enough and humble enough to listen to this guy who's done horror way better than anything Kojima's ever done in his entire life uh, and, you know, work with it from that point of view. Yeah, but um, I guess what I was talking about more was like Kojima's Easter eggs and little things mm-hmm. that he does in games, nods to things, um, hidden stuff, just things like that. Like, I don't feel like we get that in the horror game genre, hardly at all. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I was at Eternal Darkness, really. That's probably the last one I can think of. Yeah, I, I'm. That was a long time ago. That's <laughs> twenty years ago now. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I, I don't know. I don't play enough horror games to know one way or the other. Really, I don't like horror stuff very much. Not because I, I'm repulsed by it or anything. Just because I find most horror stupid. Um, uh, I, there's like one. I got like one horror, one or two horror movies a decade that I actually enjoy, and that's about it. Um, horror games even less frequently because horror games are so. Horror games to me are, um, you got to have an interesting hook for it because they don't scare me because I know inherently that any horror game, I automatically have the tools I need to get through any situation because it's a freaking They wouldn't put game. you in it. If, right. They, like, if you, <laughs> yeah. Like if I die, just reload this. Like I, like I don't get, I mean, I guess if like you, if you do Except a big enough Dark jump, Souls, you can wander into dangerous right. territory there. That's way scarier than most horror games. <laughs> I um, agree with that. <laughs> the, like the, like, unless funny. you get like a good, a solid jump scare that like hits the base really hard and I have no choice but to like react to it. Like that's different. But like, in general, like I like stuff like Silent Hill because, like the old Silent Hills, like Silent Hill Two, has a, has an atmosphere of dread that is m- way more effective than any number of Resident Evil gross things or jump scare things. I think um, part of that too is the old tank controls in survival horror. They were so imprecise that they just had they, they just had this ability to just keep you on the slightest edge because you just knew if things got crazy, you may be doomed. Well, I think well, see, I just I just find that annoying. See, I, I never found- got interested. I, that that is, I know that I've heard that before. It's like the it's like oh the controls are bad on purpose because that's what's scary is you might not be able to. Well, fuck oh, I don't you. think that. No, that's bold. Yeah, but I've seen that defense oh. of bad. You know the old, oh. you know, <laughs> like, the old Resident okay. Evil stuff, and it's just like okay, dude, no, it's just bad controls. Like the fact yeah. that I can only aim three places with the old Resident <laughs> Evil games is stupid. Like, yeah. like and well, remember it's not they gave scary. you the quick turnaround and it was like a revelation. Oh yeah, or like. <laughs> I remember when Resident Evil 4 came out, there were people that were like, that said that being able to aim like freely with analog ruined Resident Evil. Like that was, yeah. that was the reason Resident Evil was scary. It was because you couldn't shoot where you wanted to shoot. And I was like, we are clearly not going to get along. Like, it's like, <laughs> so I don't know. Like next, I have a what very- do, What do you want care. from Kojima's next game? You weren't a big fan of uh, Death Stranding either, were you? Uh, I enjoyed it, but I mean, oh, you did for not not to the point where I'm screaming from the hilltop saying it's the best thing ever. It was just, you know, it was worth playing for me, but yeah, it's not. Are you gonna play it again on PC? No, I will not play it a second time. <laughs> it's, it's a one time thing for this game. Um, I, I one thing I do think Kojima did well with the game though is the um, he did really interesting camera angles in regards to telling the story. Uh, um, thematically, but then at the same time, he also created great moments of tension, and I think that's what you need in a horror game to make it work. Uh, sure. The one reason why I think RE2 Remake is one of the best remakes ever is because it still captured the tension of a zombie being just as dangerous as any other monster you could face in any other game. And like when it grabs you, it makes you jump and terrified because it's going to take a huge chunk out of your health. So I think as long as a horror game is able to 
uh, capture that tension throughout the entire experience and make everything just as dangerous as the next thing, uh, I think that's when you have a good elements to make a good horror game. Okay. When do you guys think we'll hear, we'll see the premiere for Kojima's next game? E3 I mean, next year? That's probably a, a safer bet, but like I think there's always a non-zero chance that we get some kind of teaser at the Game Awards because he and Keeley are tight. Yeah. Well, and I guess and I, my guess is that would be just a CG trailer and yeah, not like literally no just like a, in, in engine footage. Yeah. It, yeah. it could be like a, the Sekiro thing where it's literally just like a 10 second scene where like the arm twists or true. something with the robotic, yeah. uh, not the robotic arm, but the grappling arm. But mm-hmm. uh, I think even anything, if they still have that partnership with Sony, they might show a teaser at a, pl- like something like a PlayStation, um, Oh, geez, I forgot the event now. What do they call them? The directs, whatever. The PlayStation directs. State of play. State of play, thank you. That they maybe do like a state of play teaser and then do the real trailer at the Game Awards. I could see that. Yep. So anyway, it looks like Kojima's going horror. I think all three of us are okay with that. And maybe in in my case, I'm ecstatic about it because I... I mean, it's a step up from military fetishism, so sure. It is. (laughs) And I'm a big horror fan. And I do think that some of Kojima's strengths could create a groundbreaking horror game. Um, We'll see. Uh, And he certainly has has partnered up with someone who can guide him in the right direction. So I think it's looking good. And uh, I hope he stays on that path and we get a look at it sooner rather than later. All right, next up, we're going to wrap up our discussion of Ghost of Tsushima continued from last week. I have not played another second of the game. So I am just going to be a moderator in this discussion Hmm. with Mitch and Matt. Mitch has finished it. Matt, have you finished it yet? No, I'm pretty close to the end. Like, I'm I'm closing on the end of Act 3. At least I can feel it, you know. You can feel it. It's it's not a hard-to-predict game. The main story (laughs) is fairly fairly by the numbers, so I'm pretty sure I'm, like, one or two missions away from the end. Okay. Since we literally talked about it last week for, like, an hour almost, um, I really just want you guys to focus this discussion on anything that has changed your impressions of the game since last week's show, kind of like what I just did with uh, paper Mario. So Matt, what, what would you say is like the biggest thing that's changed for you impressions wise now that you spent more time with it? Um, probably nothing. Like I still, I still love it. Um, I'm still going along with it. Um, I still do think, uh, I think it's weird that like the main story is the least interesting story in the game. Partly that's because I know this genre so well that like I know exactly the story they're telling. Right. Uh, but like the side stories with the various other characters and, and Jin's allies, I think have been much better written and more uh, human. Um, they more interesting it, 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 for it sure. Also like in a way that like, like the, sto- like, uh, the stories from those characters are not cliche samurai film like run throughs of yeah, basic right. plots. Like those are much, like sounds like they had a lot more freedom to kind of like, you know, and I saw like there's a really nice scene with uh lady Masako uh, approaching, like they walk, they're going up to a lighthouse and they're talking about motherhood and what was, and, and talking about Jin's mother and, and her being a mother and all that. That's really nice. And then like on Twitter today, the woman who wrote that, that section that wrote, did most of the writing on the game, but she's like, yeah, I wrote that mission while I was pregnant with my own baby. And I was uh, thinking about that. And so I got to write about that. And it's like, there's wow. some stuff in, there's some stuff in some of these side missions that it's a little shocking are addressed in a triple a game. Um, like there's a couple of, uh, very subtly, uh, hinted moments, uh, with, um, Yuna's 
story that I'm like, oh, they went there. Like that's interesting. Like there's a, and, and they don't outright say some of it, but they do hit some hit some uh, dark places. You'll get it if you're not in You'll get it. You get it when you get there. And yeah. Yeah. Um, but the, but it's uh, so I like that. St- I thought those were very interesting. I was which Has is the also combat held up all the way. I guess oh, is, yeah. my, is one of my big questions. Have you grown tired of the combat? Has it continued to evolve for you? I mean, it's it's I don't know how much it can evolve at this point because, you know, you have your your weaponry, you have your once you get the ghost stance, you're pretty much you have all your tools. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that I don't know after the last they did an update yesterday that added like a difficulty level and a couple other things. I feel like something changed about the timing of the spear counters. Hmm. Like I, I kept getting hit by window spears. window bigger now? No, it's, I think it's different. I don't know if it's bigger oh. or smaller, but it's, it feels different because I keep getting hit by spears all of a sudden. Like um, there were they, periods... They launched yeah, so, an easier so they, difficulty yesterday, right? Well, they there's, launched there's, a bunch of things. It's like the casual difficulty. Well, some of it adjusted in regards the to... Lethal, the lethal, there's a hardest difficulty. Oh, it's harder. Yeah, okay. they launched a harder difficulty and then also for the regular difficulty, they changed how the parries work in regards to timing. So that probably is it, Matt, that the timing mm. is different. That's definitely so you have to relearn it. And also How do they, they change it? Um, it's just different. It's just different. Uh, like the amount of time you have to parry, I guess, decreased because what they have done is because they've taken, they've decreased the amount of the red type attacks, which are unblockable um, and made most of them blockable. But oh, no, in that's... doing that, they had lowered the time to be able to block. No, it. that's only in the new, uh, the easy, easy difficulty. Oh, is that in the new easy? Yeah. Oh, okay. So the, the the easy difficulty, uh, there's a. I don't know if that was in this one or it was, it was still coming, but they, yeah, the a lot of the what would be unblockable in the other difficulties will not be unblockable in the new like more casual thing. Okay. And gotcha. then the lethal difficulty is obviously the the, the, the window is smaller probably. W- window is smaller, and um, the swords for both Jin and the enemies do way more damage. Mm. Um, so basically, it's just they up the stakes basically for lethal. Um, this, I just, I'm playing normal, uh, and I, you know, look, the, the way the ghost stance thing works is you build up the meter, uh, by killing enemies without getting hit. Um, and I was building that, me- I mean, just... You get it for I- parries and dodges too, right? No, yeah. only for kills. Wow, I thought you did get them. Um, it's only for kills. Uh, and you, uh, so every time you kill an enemy without getting hit, it builds up, and once you get seven... Uh, you can activate the thing and basically you get to insta kill three guys, um, which can is a nice little lifesaver at times if you if you're up against yeah. big dudes. Man, being able to take out group. three guys with one move in this game that's a huge deal. And um, that's an extra twelve minutes of sneaking around trying to find a good position to assassinate them. It's it's, it's about the same amount of time as it would take me. To, that's, that's the thing is like the ghost stance is kind of useless to me because. I don't sneak. You just murder with your sword. I kill them all. Like well, I, yeah. I, I, had a, I had a thing where I literally fought twenty guys at once the other day. Like no problem. Like, but all of a sudden yesterday, like the spear guys kept hitting me, and I'm like, mm. "What is going on?" I guess the first time I've yelled at the game. I think the whole time I've played it. They're also is for me. On? Were the hardest one enemies to time. Their timing is, is a little different. They're the only ones who will catch me out ever on the standoffs. Every once they, in a while, they would they still catch so me. Quick. Yep. But like I was just getting hit by basic spear, blue right. spark spear thrusts, and I'm like, "What the? F-? So something, something changed. Yeah. I don't know what happened." So I, I mean, I adjusted to it eventually. But like, it was, that's I mean, interesting. I've been, been playing that game for thirty years. Yeah, I mean, I it's know, interesting but, changing something. Not you've 30 developed years, 30 a game hours. for five years, 
and you release it. And within a few weeks of releasing it, you decide to change something that you worked on for five years. I mean, I don't know if it was intentional or if it's in my imagination, but but I have been playing this game for 30 some hours and I know when the parry windows are for those spear attacks, just like I know the parry windows for everything else. And I am just, I was just, I mean, and not, it's not like I was in the middle of everything happening or is I got a busy guy comes up with spear, blue thing appears, hit parry, doesn't work. Like, I don't know what happened. Um, so I've kind of had to adjust that. That's the only thing of note, really. Um, there's also a section that there was also a section where um, there was a four stealth section, and if you made one mistake, you insta died and went back to the beginning. Not a fan of that. It's not very long, but yeah. it was there. And I'm like, what is this? The PS2? Don't do that to me. <laughs> Mitch, how have your impressions uh, changed of Ghost of Tsushima as you've continued playing? Again, you finished the game as well, or have they changed at all? Um. No, they've changed a, a little bit, especially with the main story, um, because I was only just finished Act 1. I did not hit some big moments in Act 2 where, for me, really made the main narrative more interesting than I thought it was going to be. And I, if I want to like piggyback slightly on Matt, I think the those side stories are very good. And I think, in in a sense, you should be completing those side stories with the main story to be the all scene story that yeah. you get throughout this game because it's not definitely the same you should do it. all the you should definitely do the side stuff with those at least maybe not allies. the generic side stuff Just but the ally stories you should finish all those in an area before you move on to what is the obvious end of act mission yes for each, um, sec- each area because i think it it does make a bigger impact um later on especially near the end of the story um, well, I think we characters. can all figure out why. I know you're trying to be coy, but right. Well, it's just you <laughs> from what the, you and Matt both said, like it's pretty obvious yeah, why you, you built these relationships, and it's nice to see the payoff. And yeah, there's just, a reason you're building the relationships. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then I think uh, the very, very end is really uh, interesting, and I'm looking forward to having conversations with people um, about the very end of this game. Um, it's not like Last of Us Part Two mind bending, but they do something. I didn't expect, and I really liked um, what they did with it. So, um, but when you I, finish it, is there a new game plus? Any incentive to go through it again, other than just wanting to? There is no new game plus. Um, I didn't a hundred percent it. Yeah. So, yeah. so yet, um, and if there is a new game plus, I probably will go back and play it again. But I did not liberate the third area. I actually wanted to finish the game before we did the show. So I, so I kind of beelined once I got uh. into the third area. Um, I still have to like liberate maybe like seven camps still. So you were able to just go straight to the end and finish it at the level of power you were at. But I mean, I level almost everything was level to the max. I think I only have one thing that's not leveled maximum. Yeah. By the time I finished act two, I only had three missing techniques. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have that many and I'm only, when I quit, I was only, I think I was four hours in Tac 2, something like mm-hmm. that. So. Which, to its credit, they give you enough supplies. So, like, in regards to I got a certain armor uh, midway, about midway through the game, um, near the third near the third act, and um, I was able to level it all the way through without having to go and get the resources for it because I kind of been saving up in regards to what armor I really wanted to spend my money on. Mm-hmm. And to be able to do that was nice. And I didn't feel like I had to grind to get it, that I had enough supplies to be able to level up that armor. So Yeah, I, I feel like they definitely give you, they, they up the amount of stuff you're getting as you progress through the areas to the point that the, the, the curve of how, much, how many supplies and, and resources you're getting matches up with the cost of things pretty, pretty well. Like early yeah. on, 
like the idea of upgrading some um, an armor to level three is like just oh my god that's so much of what i have but by the time you're rolling through act three um you're rolling and stuff like and you, I- you've got more than enough to kind of upgrade whatever you need to, to get through it and like I, I, I never felt frustrated by having not having enough other than early on when I was trying to basically like min max my sword and I just didn't have enough iron. So I was specifically yeah. going to camps to like get iron. And then after iron. that, I've never been. I was just, anything. I literally was going to say that Matt, I think the only thing that, that basically is motivates you to complete these side missions is getting those really rare resources that you need to upgrade those weapons. So that's the iron. That's the gold. Um, all that kind of stuff. So I think that's the one thing that um, influences a player to continue with the side missions if you want to level up your player. Anything else you guys want to add before we move on from Ghost of Tsushima forever? Uh, the only other thing that I, f- that I found at all irritating or negative was as you, the game goes on, the weather reflects the state of the story. Like, oh. like the more storms happen, the wind picks up. There's a, and every once in a while, I just wanted the fucking thunder to stop for a while. <laughs> like, like if a, shake in your living room, I did play no, my not shaking in the living room, often. but it's like, like there's a, there's cut scenes where I'm like, I can't hear anyone. Like, I tell the guy with the thundercloud to lay off <laughs> while they're talking for a while. Uh. Um, and I would use the flute thing to, to like, you know, clear the sky and, you know, ma- and, and make, you know, get the weather clear. And the storm would just come back like three minutes later. It's just like, okay, it's like a brief. Re- well, they're I, trying to I, tell you I something. I also read yeah. that they, the, the weather also dic- is dictated by how you play the game as well. So really? like, depending yeah, on I how can, you play uh, the game, it determines your weather that you'll experience through the game. Yeah, the weather the weather is reactive to whether you're playing it more as a samurai or more as a ghost. Oh, so, so if you're a ghost, it gets stormy. If, if you're a samurai, it's clear. Exactly. It'll be more foggy if you're playing ghost style, and yeah. it'll be much more clear if you're playing samurai style. Interesting. Huh. Because mine just seemed to go back and forth, and I feel like I did play both of them evenly. So I guess I didn't start. Sense. I didn't start to see it really take effect until late in Act Three, late in Act Two. Okay. Um, so that could have been it. But uh, also, like if you're running around doing all the side stuff, you notice it more because you notice that, like, oh, it's never sunny anymore. <laughs> it's yeah. just raining. It won't stop raining. It's interesting that like it's it's start. You know, it the game is so beautiful early on with all the color and everything's uh-huh. popping, and then it start, it gets darker and grayer and just like more just desperate and i mean bleak i mean the like, game it yeah the game to, and by, i mean by the end like you know it's winter by the end of the game so there's snow and so so it's they, they cover a bunch of different um environments really well but i really again like almost no one in the industry does does color the way sucker punch does and the way they like tell the story and set the mood not just with the storytelling but also with like the environments you're in uh really smart like really uh like the, the thought that went into kind of like the the nuance and the and the construction of the game and sort of how everything in the game is focused towards achieving that one goal of putting you in that world and making you know what the story is what's happening in the story and how these characters are and what they're doing and how they feel like very few other teams manage that the way sucker punch manages it and this might have been this might be in that regard their greatest achievement so far. Yeah, I'd say my final word would be that this game's narrative is beyond story. It's like there's environmental narrative, there's musical narrative. I think every aspect feeds into the overall poetry audience. narrative. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. It is poetry. I mean, you're doing haikus. So like, yeah. I, I think that- Some of my poems are real funny. Yeah, some of them suck. <laughs> but I, I will say uh, one of them I was really, really happy with. Um, my final haiku was great. 
Yeah, most of mine were goofy, and I did it on purpose just so I'd hear them read them afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. That's Ghost of Tsushima. Probably the last time we're going to talk about it. If I talk about it again, and I will play it. I, it's not that I've sworn off of it. This week has just literally been insane for me. Um, I'll go back and I'll play it more. But if I'm going to address it again, I'll mm-hmm. probably talk about it in Ask Game Shane it. Anything or some other show on Sifted, not Game Pace. So well, I know we'll, we'll, t- we'll probably talk about it in the Game of the Year Game of the Year show. That's true. At the very least, that thing's getting a graphics nod for me, I think. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, for sure. yeah, I think a lot, I think it's going to get a lot of nods like that, for sure. Uh, okay, it's time for our last topic of episode 222. And as you might have guessed, it's the biggest story of the week. And that is the Xbox Games Showcase that happened on Thursday. The big unveiling for first-party Xbox Series X games, although that line is very murky. And we'll get to that in a minute. Um, But it really was kind of Microsoft's big chance to kind of put its stake in the ground um, and let people know what's going on with exclusive software for Xbox Series X. Um, We're going to talk about this in the sequence of the way things were debuted in the show. But before we get to specific games, Matt, do you feel like this helped or hurt Microsoft? Again, kind of going back to our poll of the week from last week. I mean... From what I can see online, it doesn't look like it did him any favors. Yeah. Um, certainly, I think the, the narrative uh, has kind of gotten stuck on Halo uh, more than anything else, when the real story is probably Game Pass and the fact that everything you saw, whether you were interested or not, in that presentation is going to be available day and date on Game Pass. Like... That is sort of the, I mean, you saw some heavy heavy hitters, and even though some of them are clearly way, way out, like I was shocked at a couple of the games that are clearly not, Oh yeah, clearly years away. Well, they start, yeah, I think Microsoft, it shows how desperate it is that it would show, I mean, some of those games, like after it was overstated at K3, they're like, oh, we're just like in pre-production. It's like, what what are you showing a freaking trailer for? Or like Forza, like they're like early stages, they said. I'm like, I was, I would have, possible? I would have bet money that Forza 8 was going to be a launch title. Yeah. Who I had mean, that on no. fantasy? Who, who's losing that one? I mean, it's the first year that there's no Forza ever. Yeah, since the franchise launched. So, I mean, you'd be you'd be an idiot to think that it wasn't coming out this year. Yeah. So, that's a big surprise. So, all right, let's start going through these because we have a lot to get through, and we're starting to run out of time. And I want to make sure we tackle all of this. The the 800 pound gorilla in the room, farting in the corner. Halo Infinite. Uh. Wow. So I went back and watched this several times because so I watched it at first and I'll just say so I took notes on Halo Infinite. I, you know, I'm a big Halo fan, have been. I'm really interested in the franchise. I took very detailed notes during the demo of Halo Infinite. My my last two notes, just bad question mark and yikes. And then the Internet exploded about the game and I was like, okay, maybe I'm wrong. So I went back. And I watched it again. And yikes. Yikes. Holy crap. What the hell, Matt? What the hell? Mm-hmm. With Halo Infinite, what is going on with that game? Why does it look like ass? Um, well, here's the thing. Um, I think it looks fine. You think the graphics um, look fine? Uh, well, because, and I think Digital Foundry did a really good analysis of this. Uh, yeah, I watched that, it. But... In, but... 
I watched it. Yeah, and that basically once on the, you the visuals. once you put why well, because that's what it looks like, and I think that that will look different when they launch it, especially after the reaction to this, because it's not a it's not an impossible fix any amount of time. No, I, I agree with that. Um, but showing it in that way, that I mean, why they showed it that way and expected something different, I don't know. Um, either it's one of those things. Yeah, you know, we've seen Some this of the happen. screenshots that they put out. The official screenshots. The official for this screenshots game are, are a little ugly. weird. Oh my gosh! It's a bad first impression. Yeah. yeah, and like oh it, doubly God. bad in the sense it's like it's been five years since Halo Five came out. Like this really needed to be like a an out of the gate like reinvention of the franchise, and oh, it's yeah. just like the fact that I got to look at a map and hit a waypoint more often now is not what we needed from Halo. Well, you said I mean, the um, best thing I am way more. I am it way more to be of Halo Three, a like fifteen year old game. <laughs> well, I am way more down on how uninventive the gameplay seems yeah. than I am on what the graphics look like because they don't have ray tracing and they don't have um uh they don't have the, the shadow lighting that it like, looks like you, they don't have a lot well, of stuff it won't going have on. It at launch. That's the serious thing. It's like the, the, well it's, it could not be more clear that this was an Xbox One game that has been yeah you know moved to next gen. Yep. Or I mean not moved because it's still going to be on Xbox One. But this was clearly not built for the Series X. Nope. Um, if you can say anything is being built for the Series X because everything has to run on everything now. But like the bells and whistles that would make it pop as a Series X game are not in place and apparently will not be in place for some time, which just makes me wonder what you're doing. I, I, I was flabbergasted by this debut. And if I that mean, is the case, how do you not also have forts already? Yeah. Like something else. How How is it? that the most interesting thing I can say about Halo Infinite after watching that demo was that it looks like the old Halo games instead of the last couple. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is like an upgrade. That is definitely nice to see. You're right. It's an upgrade. That's But that's where we're at with Halo at this point. Going back to a 15-year-old game is an upgrade. Like, well, certainly I was the, really I mean, shocked. That's a, I mean, that's that's more about the mishandling of 4 and 5, I think, than this one. Um, at least it shows that their heads on straight in that regard. I mean, yeah, the, the 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 highest praise I can offer the Halo Five, the Halo Infinite demo, is that there were no Prometheans in it. Yeah, uh, and I guess you have a grappling hook now. Okay, grappling um, hook. That yeah. shield thing looks new. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, there's like been the shields in shield, Halo, but, but that the... one's a little different from the ones that have been there before. Yeah. Huh. I just didn't see a whole lot. I mean, as soon as they got in the Warthog and started like, I'm like, yep, I've played this. Yeah, that's Definitely how I felt the whole this. time I was watching it. I'm like, I've played this, and I'll be honest with you, this doesn't look all that much better than what I played before. Now I realize on Series X, it's probably going to look significantly better. It'll look better when I play it on my TV versus what I saw mm-hmm. on my computer. Well, I mean, once they get the ray tracing in or whatever, but it's like, that's not a launch thing, is it? Yes, like, not even You're a trying to convince me to buy this thing when it comes out, right? So, Dude, all I, they've said all along, most powerful console ever right. made, ray tracing on board, ray trace your mom. Like, dude, and they don't, their flagship game doesn't have ray tracing. It's well, and I think bad. I think they're maybe like hoping that to fall back on to say this is a this is something that's ever evolving. This is their destiny, basically, which right. I think is a horrible mistake. Um, but I think that's the only thing they can fall back on to say, hey, we'll release new story and then we'll put the ray tracing out when it's ready. That's the only thing they can fall back on because 
I, I just how about it, that character model at the end? It was ba- the, he has, he has oh no shoulder. God. His shoulder pads don't connect. Like I don't <sighs> understand that, it, dude. It made how do no you sense. have a scene with a close up like that and have a character model that looks that ass? I mean, and I can understand with Microsoft after they had had said words about this is a very early demo from a long time ago, but then clearly this isn't ready. Clearly, Why would you, you need do to that? not show this. Why would you show Don't an old show version this of the game because when they you're are, first showing it? This is the one thing they have control of. They have it's control crazy. of your first impression. And if this is what they want as your first impression of this game, I'm worried. It's I'm an epic fail. Worried. It was just an epic fail. There's no other way to put it. Like, we're going to talk about everything else. And it's a shame because mostly everything else was pretty darn impressive and good. But when the biggest game that you've, as Matt said, you've been hyping for five years... Fails to deliver like that. I mean, and Matt, I don't even know if you noticed or like not. The... Dude, there's drawing. Dude, when yeah. you are riding in the Warthog, when he crests that hill, look to the right, and yeah, you can see oh, there's the more whole than that. world draw in. Oh, there's more than that. Like, the grass pops in when he oh walks around. Oh, my God. Like, it's really not good. On? Well, and then I would I would even say on top of that is that, you know, that Matt, and I agree with you, like, this thing is all about selling Game Pass. And you want to try to sell Game Pass with high quality titles? This looks like a B tier title. It and really so does. It doesn't really sell Games Pass as a premier service. It sells it as if you want B tier games, you can subscribe to Game Pass. If you want high quality games, you pay sixty bucks. Or you buy a PlayStation Five. Well, that's exactly the point because they <laughs> like, Sony's not going to do that, so they're going to do. We'll, 60 bucks. we'll get to the bigger implications of the console but, war at the end, but. Right. But you also have to, and also go back and look at that Halo Infinite tease from last year uh, at E3. Uh, this doesn't look anything like it. Well, it continues from that. It's yeah. like the demo is but what, no, what happens no, after that scene. But. but what I'm saying is like last year's tease with uh, with the ring and the ground, it doesn't look like that. Well, yeah. actually, like Matt, that, 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 say, tease look, that tease looked next-gen. This yeah. does not. Well, yeah. you say that now, Matt, and in the B-roll they're showing, there's a sequence when the guy's talking and doing his villain monologue, is they're showing cuts between the current, the current game that they're showing off in the demo and cuts back to that trailer in those sequences, and they look drastically different from each other in regards mm. to quality. And how can you not see that? and not notice it and put this out like that. I just don't get it. I don't either. And at the very least, if you're expecting people to kind of like be like, oh, it's a work in progress and like a digital foundry pointing out that if you you add kind of the the spotlighting in the shadows to to make the details and the models pop and stuff like that, like you can fix that. I don't know if they're planning to do that or if they're just planning to like sit around or you can. I mean, before launch, I'm saying. You can't. I I, I think you can. Like you could do that in the amount of, I mean, you have to probably divert resources from something else to get that to happen uh, unless they have already done it. And it's just (laughs) not, it's not in the the demo we saw because that demo is so old. Um, But the idea of like showing that demo and expecting people to assume that those will be fixed later, like the, 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 the general, even hardcore gaming audience, is not that tech savvy, and with the with the kind of the downgrade gate uh, furor that surrounds almost every major release and the early footage of things versus what the game actually looks like, which even hit Last of Us Two, uh, which isn't wrong. I mean, last, that Last of Us Two does not look like that demo they showed with Ellie fighting all those guys a couple yeah. of years ago. Um, it still looks great, but it doesn't look like that. Um, you know, it's. Y- 
you should, how did you not know? How did you not know that that's what the response would be? Like um, I, more and I mean, I've, I've said this before and like, this is, I think been our response to a lot of Microsoft's underwhelming stuff over the last few years, but like, I don't have any sympathy for them. I don't either. I really don't. Like, I, 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 I don't know. I, like, the gardener could have told you that that was how people were going to respond to that. Yeah, like, I don't I, get I don't it. I mean, this happens saying. pretty frequently where we watch something and we're like, who was your checks and balances for this? Like, hire us. We'll do a far mm-hmm. better job. Um, also keep in mind, the creative director left 343 last August. Mm-hmm. And who knows what impact... I mean, I have a feeling that we're going to hear some crazy stories about the development of this game when it's all said and done. Well, I heard they've started over twice already. It's so very possible. That the development time on what we're seeing here is only three years, even though it's been five years since see it. Halo 5. Um, it does appear to be open world-ish. Um, mm-hmm. Linear I mean, open it, yeah. world, kind of. I mean, I assume it's going to be large open spaces. Like, do you think that you're going to be able to drive all the way up that Halo? No, no of no. course not. Definitely, yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> but that's just what Halo's always been. I mean, yeah. a return to more of that kind of that kind of Halo of like Halo One versus like you know the very linear room to room that Halo Four and Five were. Sure, that's an that's an improvement. But a lot of it's just like remembering why Halo was good back in the day. But it doesn't feel like they've come up with any reasons to make Halo good in a new way. Yeah, um, I was so supremely I disappointed in. Also, kind of blows my mind that they didn't show multiplayer. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. I figured like, there'd be some multiplayer event later. Somewhat, but, but it's like it's July. Yeah, like it's getting show close. Some well, shit. They don't have ray tracing in the single player. It's crazy, dude. The whole thing is insane. It really is. All right, we got to move on because we have so many games to get to, and that's the good part of this. Microsoft showed a metric ton of games. And there are good parts of this presentation. We're going to get to them now. Uh, State of Decay 3, um, as we said earlier, after it was over, Undead Labs was like, bro, we just sketched something on a notepad and had a CG trailer house create a trailer. Like, Yeah, this game is way... This is 2022, if I mean, we're they're lucky. still putting out DLC yeah. for And they say the they plan to game. continue to support State of Decay yeah. 2. While yeah. I don't know if that's a good idea. Stages. But I do enjoy that. Uh, I do like the the deer. I mean, I like yeah. a- animals the being affected by the zombie is interesting. Yeah, the tone's different. Like that franchise has always been kind of tongue in cheek. Like remember the first trailer for the last one? You're driving around in a convertible and you pull into the gas station and you sideswipe a bunch of zombies that fly through the gas station window. Like all that stuff is gone. Like it is just this stark, mm-hmm. dark. Gray. Well, I will say I knew what this was the instant it started. As, I did soon not. As, as soon as it panned over the little like the, the group of snack foods laying on there, I'm like, State of Decay 3. I, I that knew exactly was a good what clue, it was. But I did not pick up on it right away. Uh, I'll be honest, because I think of the tone. Like it just mm. wasn't the tone of that franchise. And I'm happy. I'm glad. Like I don't like that kind of slapstick attitude that that franchise has. I don't think it does anything for the game. I think it just makes it worse. Um, so I'm excited for a more serious tone for the game. But again, it, it's like three or four years away. So. We're not going to spend any more time on this one. But State of Decay 3, it was announced. How about that? Uh, next up, Forza Motorsport. Not Forza Motorsport 8. It looks like they're rebooting the franchise. They're getting rid of the numerals. I don't um, know. This thing's so far out, they might Who knows? call it, it anyway. I mean, it's, 
Well, they according don't have to a name the, for it yet. They did an interview with Jeff Keighley after this to talk about Forza, and he specifically said that this will there will not be a numbered iteration for quite some time. That this will be similar to Halo, which is going to be a forever evolving. And I think this is yeah. A theme. We forgot to mention there's no Halo Infinite two. There's not going to be no, a right. sequel to Halo Infinite. It's a yeah. forever evolving story like Destiny, and I think they're doing it's a the gas. same thing. It's a game with, as a service. They're doing yeah. the same thing with Forza. It looks like, and I think that's kind of an interesting theme that they're trying to go for which it makes more more sense for forza than halo correct for sure i think it also makes sense in regards to games game pass as well as regard it's like a subscription service Mm. your game forever evolves with that subscription kind of makes sense there and it's a better way to kind of like the next you know you got free access to the game at launch but you got to buy the expansion when it comes out and then like when the next expansion comes out that old expansion becomes part of the game pass deal and you got to buy the new expansion just rolls over yeah it makes you feel like you're getting something for nothing but at the same time they're still being able to kind of charge you for the new content and it, it almost feels invisible um so maybe that's their plan with how game pass is going to be self-sustaining going forward game looks pretty yeah. um i don't know if it's gran turismo pretty though Hard to say it's this close. early on. I mean, it's close. I, I will say it looks really nice. Both garages. Well, the funny look part beautiful. is, it appears that they tried to kind of address the Gran Turismo trailer. Like you see mm-hmm. a lot of very similar shots in their trailer that Gran Turismo had put in, like the stuff from the garage and all that stuff. Right. And Except just like Gran Turismo. And just like Gran Turismo, those are the best-looking shots from the trailer, the stuff in the garage, oddly Well, enough. sort of, like the, with the car stuff, but I would say I love Turn 10. I think they do, they've done really well, and they've carved out this yeah, sort of, of thing for themselves. But they really should hire someone who has seen a human being walk before. Yeah. Like, they are terrible <laughs> at doing people, yeah. um, and the, the Horizon games aren't much better. No. And, like, I know that's been sort of a thing that people make fun of Gran Turismo for, too, is sort of the hard cardboard people that, you know, the crowds have not evolved with the rest of GT's graphics. But Forza's stuff is, I mean, to the point that all the people in the Forza trailer were generally wearing helmets, so you didn't have to render any faces. Yeah. Um, if you're going to put humans in your game, you're going to have to make them look good as the cars. So uh, I'm interested to see how far they go with that and what kind of the, you know, they're focusing so much on how many people are walking around in these sort of like control center garage things makes me wonder what their hub idea is because yeah. that feels a little more advanced than what you've seen just sort of like rolling through a menu. Like it makes me think they're doing some kind of like mingle player home, PlayStation home sort of thing with it. Yeah. Wh- when do you think this game is coming out? 2023. Yeah. That's insane. They, I mean, they literally said early stages. That was, yeah, how they, that was I, literally the phrase they used. So when are we seeing another Forza Horizon? Forza Horizon, I think we might see next year. Yeah. I mean, it, why is it, why is motorsport all of a sudden on a six-year, seven-year schedule? I think motorsport's the sim. So yeah. I think they've they got to put, you know, same way GT takes so long. I think they got to put more stuff into the physics point and say that kind of thing. I think Forza Horizon is a, is not a simpler game in the sense of like, it takes less effort to work on it because it obviously takes a ton, ton of effort and hundreds of people, but you kind of don't have to reinvent the wheel. No pun intended on that thing. Whereas like Forza, a Forza eight would need to be a brand new take on the physics engine and the damage engine. And all well, I mean, that. it needs to be because let's be honest, of course that, it does. that franchise has been stagnant for quite a while now, but I well, think you can get away with like kind of, you know, Forza Horizon 4, but prettier 
easier in the Horizon games. Like I don't, I don't, I don't need the Forza Horizons. Yeah, to yeah, they're not looking yet. to make sure each spoke has like. Right. Ex- yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. Also, the big thing about the date specifically is the reason why I agree with Matt. It would be 2023 is because this is an Xbox Series X exclusive, along with um, State of Decay Three, which Microsoft specifically said that they will be. Um, it will be like games can play on Xbox One for the first two years. So this game shouldn't be able to come out. There were six games that are exclusive, though, and some of them were not are scheduled to come out before then. Which is really confusing. Yeah. I mean, the messaging is a little bit confusing around all this. It's like you guys saying, this was really about Game Pass. Well, then you call it Xbox Game Pass Showcase. I mean, if that's really what it's about, that's what you call it. And I agree with you guys that under the surface, that's kind of the message that you're getting from this. Is like, just subscribe to Game Pass. You're going to be cool. But then if that's really your goal with something like this that costs a lot of money and a lot of prep and everything to mm-hmm. produce and market, then say, then call it that. Oh, say no, it's I agree the, 100% with you on that. I didn't crazy. notice it was doing that until the end. Like yeah. I, 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 was thinking, I think it's just going to not be called that anymore. Game I think pass? they have, I so think they have, they're afraid to I think they have, I don't think they're afraid to I think that they uh the, you know I think they legitimately did want this this presentation to be about the games trademark um but I think whatever we're going to be subscribing to while game pass might be in the title is going to be something else and I think they're saving that for whatever their next presenta- presentation where they show the OS and the hardware and and, multi- and multiplayer and multiplayer and all that kind yeah. of stuff like that you know and then where they can actually show it in action give us a yeah. price and a date but I think that's when we'll find out what we'll be subscribing to going forward now that Xbox Live Gold seems to have been removed from the field. Um, So that would be... So to me, like I think the real story is how much... That all the things they showed are available on Game Pass day one. Um, Like That's the most interesting takeaway from all of it. But you're right. They did not push that as their overarching narrative, I think in part because I feel like there's a rebrand coming. It's possible. Um, Next up, Rare's Everwild. Uh, the first time they showed this game... Speaking of far out... No, it's yeah. the second time they've shown this game. Right. That's what I was just saying. Oh, you I said, said first. No, I, I was talking about the first time they showed it. Yeah, and then I jumped in so he didn't finish the sentence. Right. Oh, sorry. Anyway, the first time they showed this game, I'm going to continue this time, I wasn't really that impressed with it. I liked the look of the game. Um, but the what I was doing in the goals seemed opaque, and I couldn't quite get what the game actually was going to ask me to do. Uh, to, for me, with this new trailer, that came in to focus a lot more clearly this time. I'm really? S- yeah. I mean, uh, maybe a lot Because I have more. no fucking idea what this game is. Really? Me and neither does Rare. <laughs> because in an inter- because in an interview afterward, they they literally said we are still playing around with what the gameplay is going to be. This game is way 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 out. This game's another twenty twenty three, I think. Yeah, I mean, my guess is that they showed Everwild a year ago at the same stage that they're showing State of Decay three right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, most likely. like we I got mean, this nifty trailer. I mean, they basically said in the interview that they've got the world and they get, need to figure out what the game is. Which, I mean, that tracks with that trailer because I still don't. I guess you're you're farming and dragging things and then healing wildlife periodically. I got. I, I mean, I look. I love the look of the game. I am thrilled that Rare is making something. It isn't just throwing googly eyes on everything. 
Um, but I haven't, like, it, it feels like they are really finding this game on the way. <laughs> I feel like it's, I think it's just a survival game. I mean, that's after Maybe, the second but... presentation, that was what I have come, the conclusion I've come to is it's a survival game. But I think it, it it's going to tie in more to the wildlife and things like that than maybe other survival games do. But I think at its core, it's going to be a game where you're where the big ask is just stay alive. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. You're right. I mean, there's a lot of ambiguity about it still. It's it's weird. But you're right. The ambiguity is probably because they don't really freaking know themselves. So right. And I think you know we may. I don't know if you've noticed the theme here of oh neat. Three years from now. Yeah, exactly. It's like, here's one of my big things from this whole presentation is like, there's some stuff in this, in this presentation I really want to play, but I do not think by any stretch of the imagination, this presentation made the argument for why I should buy this system at launch in three months. Yeah. Not at all. Not, not when your big game is Halo infinite and it crapped all over itself. Mm. It's like, why would I buy this in three months at a premium price? You know, I, Mm -hmm. Anyway, we got a lot more to get through. Next up, the one part of Microsoft's run of studio acquisitions that is already paying huge dividends and you can already see as clear as day was the best purchase in that whole run, Obsidian. Basically just went boom, boom, boom. All you other guys, all you other partners, you got one game, we got three. Yeah, it's crazy what Obsidian is doing. It's the right advantage now. of buying the veterans. Yeah. So, so first they show off a gigantic expansion for the Outer Worlds that looks so freaking awesome and interesting that I absolutely want to go back and play it. I never play DLC like ever. And after watching that trailer, I want to play that DLC. It also looks like huge. They're adding like a whole like extra mm-hmm. act to the game. It's, it's like uh, it's like six to eight hours this in. Yeah, that's that's what DLC should be, in my humble opinion. And look, I didn't even know it was that long, but I could just watch the trailer and see this has value. This is something beyond a bunch of hats and a stupid shirt and a costume. Um, I'm excited for this DLC. I really liked the base game. I enjoyed it a great deal. Um, it was a great start for an IP. It looks like this DLC is going to be kind of the half step towards what we're going to see in the sequel. I think it looks great. And uh, mm-hmm. I at first I was like, why are they showing the outer? Oh, okay. Now I see why they're showing the outer world. So I think it looks awesome. I love the theme of it. I love the theme of the game in general and just the tone of that game and getting more of it in that trailer was exhilarating. Um, I think it looks awesome. And Obsidian mm-hmm. right now is knocking it out of the park because today its other game comes out, Grounded, which is a survival game. Uh, it's basically Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the game. Um, you're in the your backyard and you've been shrunken down and you need to survive. So you're fighting spiders that are like the size of the buildings and things like that. Um, again, it's out today on Xbox One and PC. So this they just ended up basically just showing the launch trailer for the game. Um, we're not going to talk about that too much because obviously we've already talked about Grounded a couple times on the show. And then last but definitely not least from Obsidian and probably in my opinion the biggest, most important game in this entire presentation, Avowed. Avowed is basically Obsidian's take on the Elder Scrolls, something people have been waiting for them to do forever, something that they, as a studio, as they said after this was over, has been waiting to do forever. Um, And to me, probably the best news of all, based on the track record of Obsidian is, 
we're not going to have to wait 10 more years to play the thing. So I think this is, um, well, it is, I mean, it's basically Pillars of Eternity 3 because it's the same world. Mm -hmm. Um, Sort of repositioning that after I believe Pillars of Eternity as an Infinity Engine game, kind of, you know, Baldur's Gate style thing, I think has proven to be an underperformer. So shifting this to be more like this makes sense. Um, I also do enjoy the thing where it's basically this is Obsidian, you know, because Obsidian has some bad blood with yeah. Bethesda. Even though it's how, made most how, of its money off of Bethesda's product, because of how New Vegas worked out uh, yeah. for them, and there were there was a there's a whole there's a lot of drama in there. But I do like them kind of saying like, oh, like what if we just make the next Elder Scrolls game instead Before of they for do. Bethesda <laughs> for, take ten years to make Elder Scrolls Six? Like we it. will probably be playing Avowed before Starfield comes out. Oh yeah, out, let's be I, 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 my guess is they come out around the same time. That's yeah. my guess. Within like six months of each other. Uh, yeah, I love it. I love the troll, and that's exactly what it is. It is Obsidian being like, okay, uh, we we haven't forgotten all the things that went down between us, and we're gonna prove to you that we can make your game as good as you can and more quickly. Uh, mm. I love it. I love. I think it's good for Bethesda too to see this. Maybe it'll light a fire under their ass and we'll get it in the next seven years instead of the next 10. So good stuff all around. In my opinion, the biggest game in this by a mile. If this game turns out to be good and really does attain the same status as the Elder Scrolls, it could be like the biggest exclusive of Generation 9. It really could. It could be Mm -hmm. an absolute system seller for Series X. The problem is... It's coming like two or three years from now if we're lucky. And that's not going to help with launch, which is what Microsoft really needs help with. That is the recurring theme for me through this whole thing is, how does that help the launch of Xbox Series X? And I'll be honest with you, I had very few answers watching this. Very few. Mm -hmm. Um, Next up, as dusk falls. So Quantic Dream, uh, the studio behind Heavy Rain, Detroit Become Human, Beyond Two Souls, narrative-driven studio that just recently left the uh, second-party roster for PlayStation. Someone defected from that studio, started their own studio, and this is the first game from that studio. Um, As you may not be surprised to learn, it is a narrative-driven adventure game with a very unique art style. Matt, what do you Mm. think about the look of this game? I like the art style. I don't like the five. I thought it was funny that like they just got done talking about how like Ori and the blind Ori and the Will the Wisp will run at 120 frames a second right. on Xbox Series X, and like they they did like a whole thing where they did like side by side comparison and showed how showed you how choppy 60 frames per second looks. It's like okay, bro. Um, and then they then they show this five frame a second adventure game, and I'm just like, <laughs> okay, guys, is it is high frame rate good or is low frame rate artistic or what are we doing here? Yeah, um, I like the drawings, I like the the art in it. I I don't like the low the 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 the, the shifty yep. frame animation. Yeah, they, like it's not, it is not animation, Matt. All they're doing is dissolving two stills mm-hmm. together. I mean, like it's not an invalid choice, uh, but like especially when you have like what budget or this budget. I mean, I don't, I don't expect it to look like Detroit Become Human or anything. Right, right. But like, it it reminds animation like that reminds me of, and I'm going way back here. You need to look. You look this up on YouTube. Uh, kids, if you need that, so there was a there was a book uh, that they got a like a special made out of an animated special out of it called The Great Bear Scare, back when we were kids, 
And it was a book about a, a, a reporter named Ted E. Bear, and he discovers that there's all these classic monsters in this house, and and they're they're attacking the the bear um, the the bear city that all the bears live in, and they have to like figure out why these monsters are doing this. So they and I loved the book when I was a kid, and uh, they made an animated special out of it. And I remember sitting down to watch the special, and it was animated like that. Like it was, and what happened apparently was they ran out of money to do to finish the show, and so they didn't do the what's you know animation does was called keyframes where you do like the keyframes for each thing, and then someone does in between. So someone basically the good animators do the the main shots, the frames, and then like basically interns or production assistants sort of thing, in betweeners do the transitional animation between those keyframes to make it smooth. They did not do any of there the in between. <laughs> so, so the characters are literally static there. And then they just sort of like, like dissolve, like literally doing dissolves between this frame and this frame that's all and it this is. frame. And that's yeah. all they're doing. And I remember as I was probably like four or five when that, and I remember being like, it was probably the, the first time I ever got angry at a TV show. I was excited to see because I couldn't understand what the hell I was looking at. And um, look that up on YouTube. It's still there. It's, it's worse than this. I mean, it's, it's, it's not an artistic choice. It's a bear. We have to get this finished and put it on the air thing. But every time I see animation like this, it reminds me of that. And so I have an irrational prejudice against this kind of animation. I, I am very interested in this. I don't think it's irrational at all. No? It's the cheapest, like, easiest way to animate something. I mean, like, I am interested in the story of this. Like, the story and the acting yeah. seemed, seemed really solid from what I could glean And I like the this. art. It's just yeah. when it moves. That's the problem. And I super <laughs> support anyone who breaks away from David Cage and that terrible, terrible company and their shitty, shitty games. Yep. So, like, thumbs up. Awesome. Get out of there. Make your own <laughs> thing. Tell your own story. Do that. I just don't I, I'm going to play it, but I'm maybe going to look away from the screen more often than I should because I, I can't deal with that animation style. I agree. I will say Next for the animation style, it, it at first it wasn't as jarring, but then as it keeps going, it becomes a lot more Yeah, annoying. you're right. The longer it went on, the more I was like, really? Like, oh, just, okay. I was like, interesting. Went, and then I was like, oh, I don't like this when she's walking to the door. And I was like, oh, I don't think I can get through this. Like, I'd almost rather have it be like the classic JRPG, like picture of the character with a text box under it. No, yeah, I at agree. That point. Me I like too. It. I'd rather have it that way. Totally. Uh, next up, to me, the biggest disappointment from the entire thing was Hellblade 2 because they didn't show anything. It's the almost hell? like they should have taken the trailer from the Game Awards and put it here instead. What the hell? Like this game, I mean, what are we going to play at launch of Xbox Series well, Hel X? Well, Hellblade 2 was never launch. Yeah, but still, launch. I mean, well, I'm not talking about like day one. I'm talking about like the launch window, like the first four months. Mm. Like, what do you play? Halo multiplayer, I guess. You're going to have to hold you over. <laughs> well, that's, my, that's the whole thing. It's like why Halo Infinite had to be so good. Huge coming out of it. And it just wasn't. Like I that, just can't imagine not showing anything <coughs> in Hellblade. Like this, the rest of can't. this, if Halo Infinite had come out swinging and been amazing and been like, oh, wow, I can't believe it, Halo's back. Oh, wow, look, I can't wait to get my hands on that. All this stuff that's years out, we would have been like, yeah, it's years out, yeah, but we yeah, got Halo coming. Last so it's okay. for eight months. But it's yeah, just, exactly. You know. There's no excuse now. There's no, there's no scapegoat anymore. Well, uh, this so, also was the thing to pair up with the announcement of the console. How do you not, all you can announce that it's in Iceland? Like, what, what are you doing? Like, yeah, you show I mean, something. <laughs> Give me another CG trailer. I'm a sucker. I'll take it because it's obvious now that that first trailer was just a CG trailer. Well, no, that so. first trailer is Unreal Five. I mean, it's running an engine, but I, mm. if they if the game was at that point when they made that trailer, they would have another trailer for 
game showcase, which they did. Eh, like that, that the game being at a point or not a point isn't relevant to making a cutscene. Like they, they they can do that in engine, and it's not that taxing on what yeah. they're trying to make. Honestly, they would have um, been more successful bringing this tra- trailer that they did at the game awards to the showcase and just show off the console only. I think yeah. that would have been a better response. I mean, I expected a developer walkthrough. Call me crazy. I expected to see the first gameplay of Hellblade 2. They showed us the trailer within engine footage. The next step is to show us the game actually operating. Well, we and didn't really see any gameplay in this except for Halo. Nope, we sure didn't, Matt. And again, to my point of what are you going to be playing in the first, like in the uh, launch window? Assassin's um, Creed, apparently. <laughs> yeah, third-party stuff, I guess. Uh, next up, Psychonauts 2. Looking good. Looking great. Looking real but good. Not this year. No. How is that not coming this year? I don't know. My fantasy team looks like a Shane fantasy team <laughs> this year. <laughs> the roles have been reversed, Kyle. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I don't know what's going on. Why is it Psychonauts 2 done? But I'll say this. It looks freaking awesome. One of the best looking games in this. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. I love it. And I cut this out for the B-roll for obvious reasons. But I love how at the end of the trailer... There's just like a 20-second piece where the character just stands still and you're just looking at the expanse and there's all these trees that are made out of like eyeballs and the eyeballs are just, and they just let it run for like 20 seconds, like brilliant. Only Double Fine would do that. Um, But again, I did cut it out of the B-roll, but it's shaping up. It looks really, really awesome. Just as creative as the first game. Every time I see a new piece of it, I'm like, oh, they still got it. Um, it is a 3D platformer, so I think its appeal is limited. It's not going to be like a six, seven million seller. Hell, I think they'd be happy with a million after the way the first game sold. So, but it's rounding into form. I don't know what's taking so long, but it's rounding into shape. Is the best I guess I could say. I almost thought it was brutal legend too, because Jack Black was showed up. Well, they're bros. Like he, he <laughs> literally just hangs out there at Double Fine. He's friends with all of them. He's really good friends with the people who've been running the studio for a long time. Yeah, going back to yeah. going back to what brutal legend, I think. Yeah, and they're like best bros. He's there all the time. Also, I mean Jack Black. I don't know if you guys have noticed, and I mentioned this in a prior episode. He's turning into like a games journalist. Like I'm not <laughs> even exaggerating because he is friends with all these people. He's getting access to stuff that nobody else gets, like the Tony Hawk stuff. He was there a week before that was ever announced, hanging out with Tony, playing the game. Like, it's interesting. As long as you have reach, they're like, you can figure out the rest of it. It's it's just video games. So he's been getting, like, all these big scoops. So it doesn't surprise me at all that he he was there in the trailer. And again, because he he and Tim are such good friends, it, it just makes sense. But... I don't know. I uh, I was pr- I'm pretty excited about that game. Looking across all this stuff, I probably put it in my top three or four of all the stuff that was shown in this. It's that's where we're at, unfortunately. Um, and then after that, they showed Destiny Two for Xbox Series X, which actually looked really good. I'll say that. Like their engine scaling pretty well to the new console, so that was pretty impressive. And then they made an announcement and said, "Okay, everything that we show from this point forward." at the very least, is a timed console exclusive for Xbox Series X. Um, And then from there, it's really got complicated. After this ended, it was a mad scramble among the press to figure out all the rest of these games, exactly what it means, how long they're exclusive on Xbox, when they're coming to PlayStation, if they're on PC and X, it became very confusing. But they started out with Stalker 2. 
I was surprised at this one. I definitely didn't see Stalker 2 coming. It's been almost a decade since the last Stalker. Stalker 1 was kind of this game that, like, if you just looked at it with a with an impartial comparison to other shooters, it wasn't that great. But it had a lot of atmosphere, and that ingratiated it to a lot of players, and it became a bit of a cult hit. So um, I think if you look at the Metacritic for that game, it's not sky high. But if you would look at the fan count for Stalker, it is sky high. Yeah, and also so, because Stalker was greatly improved by the community. It was. Um, over, yep. you know, there's a lot of mods you can stick into it that makes it a much better game, much like Vampire Bloodlines. Yep. Um, which is it's a very similar game. I mean, it's, it's more of a Deus Ex sort of like survival game, I guess. It would be kind of a mix of those two things. Uh, I will say I knew what this was in the first frame. I, I, and I was surprised. That's how that distinctive it is. Yeah, yeah. I didn't expect it. It's also based on a uh, on a movie. Yep. Um, which is worth watching if you can track that down. It's probably on Criterion Channel or something. But um, I, I mean, I'm glad to see it. Uh, but, For you um, guys who don't know, it's a survival shooter set in Chernobyl post yeah. nuclear disaster. Yeah. I like in kind of a alternate timeline sort of thing where like people go into the, the zone and hunt for like sport salvage and stuff and find things. Yeah, it's, but like, it's, it's, uh, it, it's hard to describe. You probably get the original games for like five bucks in a steam sale yeah. at some point. If you want to try it at some point, but they are worth, uh, they're worth playing even today. I would say, um, this is another one that looks like it's way out like yeah. years and years away. Yeah. But, uh, it's an, it was a nice surprise. Just the fact that it exists is a nice surprise. Yep. Um, up next is Left for Warhammer <laughs> mm. or Warhammer 40k Dark Tide, uh, which is, ba- is basically just Left for Dead set in the uh, Warhammer 40k universe. That's a convenient thing to say, left for whatever. <laughs> Every franchise that creates a cooperative shooter, you can just call it left for whatever the franchise is, and it'll left, always Left work. for Hammer 40K. <laughs> exactly. Um, are you burned out on these games, Matt? Well, no, because I haven't played one since Left 4 Dead 2. Oh, you didn't play um, like World War Z or any of the other no, ones? No, and I okay. will not play this. So I got no interest. I have no interest in this stuff. I, I, I have say no this, int- I do enjoy this genre. I like. I enjoyed. I enjoyed it a lot. I just don't have the people to play it with, and I have no interest in like locking my schedule down to play it regularly with people. I just don't. It's, it's Mitch, not, did you get into Left 4 Dead? my life anymore. Yeah, yeah. I Mitch, did. did you get yeah, into Left 4 sure. Dead at all? No, I really enjoyed Left 4 Dead. Uh, I have no interest in this. Honestly, they probably would have got more reaction from me if they did a Left 4 Dead three. Like, okay, that would have steal. That would have stole a bunch of headlines. Well, well, Valve, um, currently my theory is that Valve cannot make a game that has a three in it or their deal with the devil is broken. Oh, yeah, true, true. <laughs> and it does appear that way. They never get to the third one. They can't get to the third up. one. I mean, they're literally making another Left 4 Dead, but they're calling it like whatever, like blood for something. Yeah. Like they, they, can't, they can't make a three. I don't yeah, know what I it is. I don't know like, what it is. Back for Blood, I think is what it was. Back right? for Blood. That yeah. sounds right. Uh, next up, and we're not even going to show this via B-roll, but Tetris Effect Connected was announced. It's Tetris Effect with like a bunch of connectivity stuff included. Mm-hmm. Um, you can like combine like all the boards together into one board, which looks crazy. Uh, but a very small announcement. I'm surprised they even included it in this presentation, to be perfectly honest with you. Next up, The Gunk. And this game impressed the crap out of me in my probably in my top three from this show as far as interest is concerned. It's it's like as if Luigi's Mansion went to space. It's like a free-flowing, more open Luigi's Mansion type game. 
Um, you're on an alien planet that's been overrun by gunk, and you have this little device that you carry around that cleans it up. Um, there's more to it than that, and it appears to be a lot more to it than what Luigi's Mansion has in addition to the that sort of part of the gameplay. So I think the game looks awesome. I love the art style. Um, it, this game to me, and this is from uh, the SteamWorld team, mm-hmm. really blurs the line between indie and big-budget games. I mean, I really struggle because when we add games in the database, we mark games as indie or not indie. And that way, as we add content for that game, that content will appear on the indie channel. And so when we create a game, we decide, is this an indie game or is it not an indie game? And I literally kind of stood at my monitor for like 25 seconds thinking about it because it doesn't look like an indie game to me and it doesn't appear to play like an indie game either. Um, Really, you know, again, these are all trailers and things change and things get worse or things get better. But as far as looking at a concept and kind of the ideas of a game through the lens of a trailer, this to me was one of the more impressive games from the show. Yeah, except I mean, I just I don't understand the confusion over indie versus AAA because that's a budget thing. Um, but we don't know how much they're spending on. No, but like the thing is, like they're being published by whatever Thunder, whatever. Like the Fat Shark is handling. No, that's Dark Tide actually. Yes, yeah, Dark. The Gunk is published by Thunder. What is it called? Thunderful. Thunderful. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's an indie game. Like that's, that's the thing. And is I like, ended up classifying it as indie game. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter how good they look. Like it's like it's like if you make an indie movie and you make it look as good as a Steven Spielberg movie, no one's going to be like, oh, that doesn't get to be an indie movie anymore because it looks so good. Like the. But that the, wouldn't happen. That's impossible in film. It's not always impossible. It's impossible. No, it's not. How could it you really do isn't? It? How is it possible to not if you don't have the money for tens of millions of dollars of CG effects? Because How do you, you make the CG effects for free? You don't make them for free. You make them at home, or you make, and also you choose your you choose your battles. Like it doesn't have to be Jurassic Park. You could make Schindler's List. Right, but my point is, but is like, that these guys, particularly with this game, they're not aiming at Schindler's List. I mean, I think this game aims just as high as any other game in this presentation. I so, don't disagree. Somewhat. I think visually I it looks like a looks like a AAA game, but I think. Like gameplay wise, it looks pretty basic so far. So okay, I, so Mitch, explain to me the difference between AAA gameplay and indie gameplay. Well, just the well, the only thing they showed was it sucking up gunk and doing some mild platform. Okay, so what does Ghost of Tsushima do gameplay wise? It's more AAA than what the gunk is doing. Well, the combat is way more complex. Do you know that from watching one trailer of the gunk? Well, I'm just saying first impression, that's what it looks like to me. So like it's it does it, it I'm not saying that's what it, it ends but, up. But still, it's I, I'm curious. I am curious to know your answer to that question. What is the difference between indie gameplay and triple A gameplay? Or big budget Well, gameplay? the animation looked uh not as silky smooth, especially when he was walking above the platform. Um it was it was a little like he was on it was tilted a little bit and it was a little, it was just a little, you, just by the movement, it looked in my mind indie than it did. Because to me, gameplay is the one thing where there is no difference between indie and big budget. Either you can do it or you can't. Like it doesn't have anything to do with the budget. Well, if anything, it reminds, this game reminds me more of Hellblade in the regards to having a, probably a little bit of a bigger budget, but aiming for an indie style game. Why? 
based off visually and the gameplay they showed off. It's not very much, but that's what they showed off. Yeah, I don't know. It reminds me the most of Luigi's Mansion, which I would call AAA just by virtue of it being Nintendo. Okay. Um, like you, you, <laughs> I okay. You got my brain is breaking right now, guys. You guys so are throwing stuff out there that is not computing with my brain. Why <laughs> is that contradictory stuff? So, so Luigi's Mansion obviously a big budget. So by your determination, yeah. already AAA. But you're saying it's AAA because of another reason. I'm not saying it's AAA at all. It's an indie game because the budget comes from... Oh, so you're saying from, Luigi's Mansion is an indie game. Luigi's Mansion is AAA because the budget comes from a massive publisher. The Gunk is, is indie because it's an independently funded game. What I'm saying is like there is no distinction between gameplay of AAA or indie because gameplay can be anything. The right. gameplay in this reminds me the most of Luigi's Mansion, which is a AAA game because it is funded by a massive multinational corporation called Nintendo. That's right. Fair. That's why this I was asking Mitch. I was like, I don't understand what you're trying to say. Right. No, that's a fair argument. Okay. Uh, we got to move on. We're running out of time. Uh, next up, Bloober Team, one of my favorite indie developers. And I think after this show was over, maybe the game that people talked about the most was The Medium. And mm -hmm. I don't know how this game has flown under my radar all this time. I mean, I knew it existed and I kind of knew the base premise, base premise of it. But watching that game in action with like literally two two realities being rendered at once, that to me was like a game changer. I I'm my interest in this game went from probably like a three and a half out of ten to like an eight with this one presentation. So to me, mission accomplished for Bloober Team. What do you guys how do you guys feel about it? This I am less confident in this game now. Oh, less confident in it. How yes. come? I mean, I have faith in Bloober Team because they make good stuff, and I liked the what they showed of it last year. This this game because it has a, a real Silent Hill like vibe to it. My concern is that if you're playing both things at the same time, they're going to need to find a way to make that not annoying, and we'll see. Like that 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 is like the simultaneous play through the two different worlds is a thing. I have, I am more skeptical now. Like I am because like okay because it's hard to pull off, and you right. wonder if they'll be able to. Gotcha. Right. Well, that's fair. That's totally fair. I can uh, understand. Well, that. I think in regards to because this is a Series X exclusive, um, along in regards to it won't be available for Xbox One, and it is available for PC as well. I think because of the SSD and what we've seen from Ratchet and Clank, I have confidence that they could pull this off. And for me, if this if there's a system seller. Uh, even though like my hype on this is probably like an eight and nine ish, like this is the game I would buy at launch. I wouldn't buy Halo. I'd be buying this game. But that's it kind looks of way sad more interesting. Say. I'll say that. You know, see, I'm not talking about hardware or anything like that. I'm talking about finding a good, compelling reason to do that dual oh, gameplay between the worlds. I don't. I don't care about. I'm sure it will run just fine. I'm worried about why are you making me play it like this? Yeah. Find a reason to do this that isn't just like a cool thing to show as a gimmick in a trailer like this. You and it is weird me, that they like, didn't show it until now. Right. It's like, it's, why? It's okay, so it's, awesome. Why was it that in the very first thing you showed for this game? Well, Probably because it wasn't working yet. But it it's may like, not it's, have been, yeah. It, but it's cool. It's cool that you show me that. Like, how cool I think that is after 10 hours. You know? Yeah. Like, like I, that's my thing. Is like, you got to find a compelling reason that this is going to be the hook of this game. Would you agree with me, though, that of everything shown, it was the most innovative thing shown? Um... I don't. I that might be damning with faint praise, but yes. Outside of like whatever I think Psychonauts Two is going to do, because I know those guys always push that envelope. But this was this is the most, the closest anyone got to showing me something I haven't played a thousand times before. 
Um, we really got to hurry. Up next, Fantasy Star Online 2, New Genesis. I'm only mentioning this because I love Fantasy Star Online. I would have cut it for time, but um, it looks like they're completely reworking uh, Fantasy Star Online 2. Mm-hmm. At first, they thought it might be just an expansion, and then, like, over the next following days, Sega was like, no, it's more than that. Like, they're basically completely rebooting it. Um, yeah, which, which is funny, because it only just came out in America, really, so it's... I mean, it kind of needs it. It's an old game. Like, when you... You know, it's been around for almost, like, six years, I think, uh, in Asia. So, uh, it's about time to do that. It's it's interesting that they did not bother Why is it just to PSO3? I don't get it. I don't know. I don't know. Probably because they want to keep continuity of things, and people have tons of stuff invested in this thing already who have been playing in Asia for years, and they don't want to make people start over. Also... Fantasy Star Online just had its 20th anniversary this week, so the timing for this was perfect. Hmm. This is also, by the way, today. Today. In fact, actually, about 15 minutes ago, it was to the minute, the 20th anniversary of my wife and I moving to California. On her birthday, no less. Today is her Hmm. birthday. So when we made the trip out here in 2000, we got into San Francisco on July 28th on her birthday and literally 15 minutes ago, we put in at 3.45 that day into uh, our apartment complex. So 20 years I have lived in California and 20 years of PSO. And we still only have two games. So you can't really accuse Sega of milking it. That's for hmm. sure. Uh, and then finally, then they showed like that there's actually going to be a single player campaign in Crossfire, which whatever. Um, and then finally they finished it off with Fable. Um So since this was announced, there's been crazy rumors swirling. So there was this guy in France who literally, before this presentation, went dink, 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 and listed everything that was going to happen. And because people didn't know who he was, they ignored him and blew him off. Well, as it turns out, he was right. He was not only just right about what was in the show, but he had the order of the show almost perfect. So people were like, oh, my God, he was right. They went back and looked at what he had written, and he had Fable listed as an MMO. And so then instantly people were like, oh, my God, it's an MMO. It's not a single player or cooperative action RPG. And then Microsoft, I wouldn't say that they refuted the claims. They basically said that, there will be online elements in the game, um, but we don't know if we would go as so, so far as to call it an MMO. So a lot still up in the air. Speaking of a game that we may not be seeing for quite a while, this is another one probably. Yep. Unfortunately, and I know Playground's been working on it for a couple years, but the game sounds pretty ambitious, which is good. I want it to be ambitious. But that also means yeah. that we're probably not getting it. For it also anymore. seems like they're starting over, which yeah. is uh, which is good because I mean, there's not there wasn't really anywhere to go after Fable Three. Yeah, no number on this one yeah. either. They're rebooting it. It's just called Fable right now, um, just like Forza Motorsport. So. Which I feel is like kind of good in the sense of um, there are few sh- series I would say that could benefit more from going back to square one, knowing what was done in the previous three games, That's like. Because Fable always felt like it was stumbling around trying to find what it was going to be in each installment, and they came close to some stuff in each one. But it's sort of like how I feel about Star Wars. Like, imagine if you knew the whole story of Star Wars now and could go back and remake all those movies. 
like how much more coherent and smooth and and narratively flowing all that would be. Imagine now going back to square one with with Fable, knowing all the things that have ended up in Fable over the course of three games, and being able to start from the the design what worked, doc, what did knowing work. what this thing is, what is going to be, what we need to put in, what we don't need to do, what didn't they, work before. Like that's how that's many all a good hours idea. Hours have been wasted at the various studios that have worked on Fable games, trying to still get the franchise to live up to what Peter Molyneux pitched it as way, yep. way back when. They've all failed, but you're right. They've Now they have learned all those lessons. They know what works. They know what doesn't work. They should know what the new technology is going to be able to impart into the franchise. I'm excited for it, but I'm also resigned to the fact that I'm probably not playing it until at least like 2022. That'd mm -hmm. be my guess. And that now that we're at the end of this, is really the crux of this whole thing for me. It, to me, the purpose of this was, Shane, look at all these awesome games that we have coming to Xbox Series X that's going to make you want to buy one in a couple months. No, none of this did that for me at all. If anything, it's done the exact opposite. It's pushed me away from Series X. Like, if I had to choose between the two, and I don't, I'll buy both because I have to. But if I had to choose, man, my ass, I'd be, I, if they could have pre-orders up for PS5, I would have placed it that day. Like, mm -hmm. I, I, it's really yeah. hard for me to see any advantage of Xbox Series X now. It's like they said that it's going to be the most powerful or at least as powerful. As, there was not a single game in that presentation that was even in the same league as Ratchet and Clank. Not even in the same league. So... We're not getting the output of the power through the graphics. There were very few surprises in this. Even, unfortunately, Fable was a known Literally, two years ago, that Fable stuff leaked with Playground mm -hmm. Games. I went back and looked. Two years ago, we've known about that game. So there's nothing in this that's a surprise. Like, in the stuff that was there was, like, kind of cool. Like, I liked the gunk, obviously. That was a pleasant surprise. Um, Avowed was nice. But, dude, those games are coming for forever. I don't see how this event help xbox series x in any way shape or form anyway i don't know i think i think they made a mistake separating i mean i know why they did it because the game pass element is there and they don't want to have to try to clarify what's on game pass here and this isn't on game pass da, da, da. separating out the first party stuff from the third party stuff was a mistake because you you it feels they feel both feel smaller you know like like you could have used some assassin's creed in here you could have used some watchdogs legion in here um, it, it, you could have even used, and this was in the pre-show that Keeley did. He showed that first uh, the the new Yuji Naka game. You yeah. see that? Like, oh, we didn't even, even talk about that. We've even something that goofy, which is which seemed just like knights again, really. Um, knights meets Kid Chameleon and Billy Hatcher, which is not a positive. That's not thing. a trio that you no. want to aspire towards. <laughs> but like, um, at least that's something different, and it feels like something that's it's not you know. I, it felt very. It felt like Microsoft has always had in the last several years, last whole generation, is just like the same thing, remixed over and over again. Because isn't and that just the new Jinx? Kinda, yeah. <laughs> this new blinks the time you sweeper. Back. I mean, seriously, they'd always have that token Japanese yeah. game, and there you have it. There's Naka's but new like, game. I mean, I'm, I'm probably gonna get both of them. Just because I mean, I, know, we until I, we, we are, really, yeah. Um, but if I were a more casual consumer that was just like you know that I was planning to get both, and I, but frankly, if I had no obligation to play the new system and report back on it in some kind of media, you know, media situation, 
I would Xbox Series X for me would just be like, well, call me when Fable's ready. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I don't know what else Halo. to tell you. I'm gonna enjoy it. I'm sure. It yeah, but I don't. But I feel like I'd be fine playing Halo on my PC or my Xbox One. That's literally yeah. what I was gonna say. Is like it's it's basically an. Unfortunately, Microsoft is trying to show off their new console with their hand be- tied behind their back because they have Game Pass. And, like, literally, they just want to keep showing off Game Pass to get you into it. And they hindered themselves because they wanted a, a, a game showcase that had all Game Pass games. Well, when you And they that, had trouble even differentiating that. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't worse. clear. That's why I did not take the Game Pass thing away from this at all. Like, I, because it was just also confused. All the messaging about. Is this game an exclusive? What a, what stupid little term are we going to use to describe this game so that when it's not an exclusive, people won't come back and, and yell at us for it? Like, the whole thing was just convoluted. There wasn't a clear message. I did not get the Game Pass message. Maybe I've already got it already. I don't so think I don't it's a message so much as it's like all the stuff they showed had Game Pass. And I thought on my own, outside of whatever messaging they were pushing, was like, that's really crazy that all those games are going to be available day one if you're subscribed from game to, to Game Pass. And I didn't really see a lot of pushing from them to try to make me realize that. It was just something I thought oh, okay. of like 15 I minutes later. I saw a lot of people in the chat being like, yeah, yeah, it was all about Game Pass. And I'm like, uh, I didn't really get that. I mean, the marketing <laughs> push isn't about it, but that is the takeaway if you think about it for 10 minutes later. Yeah. Uh, like, that, like, oh, that's all going to be on Game Pass. That's pretty cool. But I don't think they pushed that to the degree that you could call it what they wanted, what they made the thrust of the, like they didn't have sure. a, 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 a story arc for this presentation. Yeah, really but didn't. I think it hinders them because they're pushing, they, they in this regard, they pushed Game Pass. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can use Game Pass on your PC. You can use Game Pass on your Xbox One. Basically, they just shoved in your face to say, you don't need a Series X. Stick with Xbox One. I mean, they even, like once those trailers came out, that giant sticker of optimized for Series X takes up an eighth of the thumbnail and takes up an eighth of the case. Like they're 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 throwing right now. They're they're only they have push, to to make yeah, it obvious. The, the <laughs> only thing they can do right yeah. now is to talk about how they're optimized for Series for Series X or that it's it's going to be smart delivery. Like that's the only thing they have going for them right now because they don't have the games. And it I think shows. base level, if a normal person just looks at the PlayStation 5 games, the trailers, the gameplay that was released, and then just looks at the Xbox Series X games, the trailers, the gameplay that was released, it's going to be really hard for someone to decide to buy an Xbox Series X. It just is. And um, we had our survey to say consoles exclusives about matter. games. Yeah. yeah. I games mean, more than matter. anything, they matter. Yeah. And right I t- now, it doesn't show that. It could be bad for Microsoft at the launch because the other part of it too is when all these great games come out and there are some great games in there that I'm legitimately really excited to play. They come out in like two or three years, that console may be $100 cheaper, $150 cheaper. And don't Mm -hmm. think people don't remember that. Like, or at least include people, a game or two with it. Yeah, I mean, don't think people don't remember that, you know, they discounted the Xbox One pretty quickly and started packing in games with X. People remember that stuff. And when it comes back around again, they're like, I can only buy one of these. I just, unless you're just a total Xbox fanboy and you just cannot live without Halo and Gears and Forza, and there are some of those still left. Yeah, I or you're can't. assuming that like 
um, I don't know, that you're assuming that because of the power differential, the multi-platform stuff will be better on Xbox Series X, but which is possible, but we don't know that yet. I mean, we're not seeing the extra power in the first party stuff, so it makes it no. really hard for me to believe we're going to see it in third party stuff. Well, I, don't, I, don't have a, I don't have a hard time believing that at all. Like that's, The third parties would be better working on a console in the first party? That's this never not happened. A, no, that's not, that's not what's happening here at all. That's that's that. Halo is a weird one-off thing. Halo is Halo is a, is a Halo is some kind of massive co collection of snafus that I don't think we'll ever <laughs> fully know the story behind entirely. Um, but I have no problem believing that like Assassin's Creed Valhalla is going to look great on that thing, and it's going to probably have the ray tracing in place and all that. You know, it's going to look like a really How high crazy PC is that, version. That a third Whereas, party would have. Ray but like the question becomes game. like, what kind of performance are you getting out of the, the Series X version of that versus the PlayStation Five version? And is it just like a matter of like, oh, it runs slightly higher res here, slightly? Or what if it doesn't run any better? If it runs worse? Well, that's what we don't know yet. That's like that's like a digital foundry question, right? right. Like when, but I'm you know, just when saying the that the road. Even that's the only other reason I could think to buy an Xbox Series X, but like right. you're not even going to know that until after everything that launches. Exactly, exactly what I was going to say. I mean, it's, I don't know, man. I think Microsoft could be in deep, deep trouble, and I think it needs to do something big, something bigger than showing Halo Infinite multiplayer before these things launch. It just does. It needs I, to fix I think this. That's, I think that's an entirely fair thing to say. Like, and I don't, it, It's got to fix it. I mean, like, I don't see bet. where you want this over the PS5. I if just can't just, If you're it. just talking launch moment. Nope. I don't, like, there's nothing here that is bigger than Miles Morales and Ratchet and Clank. No. And, it's just and we not. we were talking about a There's bar nothing that, that looks anywhere near as good as Ratchet and Clank. I mean, that game still just melts my face off. And we were talking about a bar that Sony set. Microsoft barely got a foot off the ground. Like, they had the advantage, too. They got to see Sony's presentation and then respond for one time in their stinking lives. They were not the ones going first. They mm -hmm. let Sony went first. They had a chance to respond to everything Sony did with this. And there you go. Maybe they, now we know why Microsoft never cared about going first. Yeah, they just, I mean, that's the thing is like, what? how how could they respond? Because they just don't have anything yet. And part of it is because they bought all these other studios and it takes time to make this thing, this stuff. But like, it's just not there. You know, and that's been their problem for years now. It's like, it's just, they just don't have anything. It's not there. And they lean, have to lean too hard on. waiting another three well, years even, for even this. When, and then even when they have something, it's not too... It, it's not matched in quality by Sony, unfortunately. Like if it's it's like Gears is probably their biggest game so far of this generation for themselves, and that is close to what one of maybe five exclusives Sony has in regards to reviews, acclaim, all that kind of stuff. So like most importantly, the quality, sales. Match it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's what really matters. Sales. So yeah. like even with all that, that's why I'm still like even seeing Halo right now. Even though I'm excited for some of these games, I'm still worried that someone might like mess it up and drop the ball when we see the gameplay for the thing. Like it still can happen. It can. All right, we got to move on. Um, we're about to show a word from our sponsor, and this is your cue to get your questions into chat. Go at Sifted Games. Uh, so we can pluck them out of the chat very easily. We're not going to be able to answer too many. Uh, this show is running over. So we'll answer a couple before we uh, say, say la vie. Uh, and here's a word from our sponsor. Ready to get away from it all without losing all the comforts of home? DeShazer Ryan Realty has a once-in-a-lifetime 200-acre estate for sale in Libby, Montana that gives new meaning to the phrase roughing it. 
This eye-popping main lake house on this sprawling estate has four bedrooms and bathrooms, phone, and internet. There are also separate guest and caretaker houses. It's the first time this property has ever been for sale, so don't let the chance to buy a slice of outdoor heaven pass by. It can be yours for $3.4 million. If you're interested, no matter where you live, contact Doug DeShazer at 406-291-1643 or DeShazerMT at gmail.com. He can also connect you with local realtors who can help you with your specific needs. If you want to see more, head on over to www.snowshoeranchmt.com. That's snowshoeranchmt.com. You know who's going to be buying that house? Sony, because they can just relax <laughs> after seeing what Microsoft did. Uh, some football player that just opted out is probably going to buy it and just hole up there for the whole NFL season. <laughs> he could bring his um, whole family. <laughs> uh, Gohan Rage, thank you for Twitch Prime, brother. Thank you for being a longtime supporter of the site, too, man. Love you, brother. Um, let's see. Uh, JM Rain, thank you. I saw you either gave people subs or bits earlier. Appreciate that. He did 20 um, subs sound- at the beginning of the show. Yeah, Sound Wizards lighting it up again. Thank you, man. You're awesome. Uh, all you guys are great. Uh, let's get to a couple questions. Um, Eth Demon. Microsoft is focusing on Game Pass and subs. Sony is focusing on more traditional consoles. And Nintendo is off in hybrid land. Each company is taking their own very different direction. What's your take? For me, I like the fact that they are all doing different things. Agreed. I do like that. I it, They're offering us choice, but... Mm-hmm. I would argue that the difference between Microsoft and Sony really isn't all that different. I think Microsoft wants you to think it's different because I don't think it believes it can beat Sony. And so I think the messaging around Game Pass and things like that is a very convenient way for Microsoft to not share hardware sales anymore. And because all their revenue just rolls into Microsoft's big pie, it's a very easy way for them to kind of shirk uh, how well their division is doing financially. So I I hear you. I think Microsoft is trying to make it seem more like it has a different strategy than it really does, though. What do you guys think? I think that uh, the difference is that Sony and Nintendo's strategies are playing to their strengths, whereas Microsoft's seems to be trying to cover a weakness. Look, yeah. Um, and to the to the point that like I happily shell out full price for Sony's exclusives whenever they come along. Whereas with Microsoft's, the Game Pass thing is good to me because a lot of times I look at whatever their new exclusive Xbox thing coming out is, and I think, well, I would never pay sixty bucks for that, but I'll download it since I already subscribed to this thing. Yep, but as a part of a ten dollars a month, I'm cool with it. Right. I, I agree with you 100. percent What I about you, Mitch? I was going to say something for Microsoft. I think this is something that's been a problem with them throughout many years so far is that they prefer qua- quantity over quality, and I think that's a huge issue for them. So Game Pass is a way to say they have a bunch of games for you, but the quality just doesn't match against something like a Mario or a Last of Us Part Two. I mean, I don't think they even had they haven't quantity. had either. They haven't yeah. had either. <laughs> like they've had nothing. Like they're well, finally they getting to the point where they have qu- some quantity, but for a long time it was literally three games over yeah, and over. Just over, over and like, over and over. Like it, like I, my prediction was right. They still had more exclusives than than Sony, but like even they were third party. They rely on the third party so much on the timed exclusive that even last E3, they're like, we're going to show you 100 games or something like that. And they they are trying to show quantity of like what you can play over the quality of what's there. Not from their first party, it's from their entire lineup. Uh, kind of please forget that you can also play this on every other platform. <laughs> exactly. Or in like two Put months, your brain you can play on it on pause. another platform. 
Uh, next one, Commander Fett 03. What do you think Microsoft would need to do to fix Halo Infinite before launch? Before launch? Well, that, that, now, you're about, now you're talking about time travel. <laughs> There's an important um, word there. Need and can. Are the <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you can fix a lot of the, the, the flat lighting problems. I think that's a fairly simple fix. Uh, maybe they've already done it if that build is as old as some of the, the rumors were saying. Um, but like really they need to have the next gen lighting and the, and the ray tracing and it needs to be showcasing the new hardware day one out of the gate. And I, I don't know what's holding that up or why it can't happen that way. Or if they're prioritizing other things because they figure the, the user base on Xbox one X is bigger. So why, you know, put all that effort and sh possibly shortchange the current gen, which is a larger user base versus the other it's, it's, it's hard to believe uh, that like they couldn't get at least rudimentary ray tracing in place for a launch. Cause like you, I feel like that's your only game that's really going to be showcasing that stuff. It's the thing most eyes are going to be on. It's the thing that's going to be in all the commercials and it's going to be the thing that people judge the system by. Like if you ha really have something that powerful as the Xbox series X is, and we know it is from the specs, yep. you need to put something on that thing that, you know, by comparison to the other stuff coming out on current gen stuff is like clearly something you couldn't play on your current system. And looking at that demo that they ran, there is nothing on that that would make me think that wasn't an Xbox Series X, Xbox One X, um, is, outside is, of a couple of, of size distance draw things. But like, they're still popping. It's, it's a, it, it, it doesn't scream next gen to me in the it, in the same way that like what's that? That's that stupid hack and slash game on PS Five that was the Godfall. first thing we no what Godfall. Godfall? Yeah, it, it, in the same way, Godfall doesn't make me think like, oh, that's clearly a brand new game system. Like Halo has that same thing going on, where I'm Agreed. like, I, you don't, you don't make me think you're next gen by just glancing at it. Certainly not. Those screenshots, screenshots are just like, what are you doing, releasing those? Uh, Glottis twenty one, thank you for Twitch Prime. Gorzilla, thank you for Twitch Prime. Evilani five, thank you for the bits. Croak, thank you for the bits. You guys rock. Uh, we're gonna answer one last question, and it's a follow up to the last one. Should they delay Halo Infinite? No, because they don't have anything else. Yeah, what are you gonna what are you gonna put out? I mean, unless you want to push the whole system back. That's from Kelvis. I mean, if if you're gonna push, or should Halo they back, probably push, they, probably that game oh. does need more time? But like, no, they can't. Yeah, his question, his exact question is: Do you think Halo Infinite should be delayed? I, I think it yes. should be in terms of a game, but I don't think they can Will in it? terms of a console launch. They can't. Should right. it? I would yes. I would personally say like delayed until you get ray tracing, but that's not gonna happen. Yep. So Microsoft laying in the bed it's made at this point. It's especially <laughs> after the debacle of Master Chief Collection where it took them four years to even get that functioning properly. Yeah. Like it's starting to hit this point. It's like, why can't Halo launch right? Like what is that? That's so weird. Yep. I like Croak and uh, Soundwizard are going back and forth with the subs. Croak just gave up a bunch of tier one subs to everybody. We're on, what, level four of the hype train now? Just in time for the show to end. And it is ending. That's it for Game Face episode 222. Big episode. Long episode, but pretty good. I had a lot of fun talking to you guys about stuff today. Um, if you guys want to follow us on Twitter, and you should, because especially if you're not a patron or a subscriber on YouTube, which you can now be, by the way, and get all our content early. Um, if you're consuming a lot of content free here on Twitch or on YouTube, 
Follow us on Twitter at Sifted Games because we announce everything. When we're going live, when stuff is going up on our YouTube channel, you want to stay in the loop, that's the best way to do it. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Dinfire, like Zelda. You can find Matt at M. Kyle, and Kyle is spelled K-E-I-L. And you can find Mitch at Mitch Secor. And on behalf of my bros, hope you guys have a great week. We'll see you next Tuesday right here on Twitch. Game Face is up and out. We'll be right back.